0: Some bad Mm -hmm. things happening but also some good things happening happy friday morning to you it is the fourth friday of august
1: and david the special time what time is it (laughs) ryan it's the friday bankless weekly roll-up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto which is always an ambitious endeavor yet we persevere into the frontier every single week Nonetheless, with a cup of coffee, of course. Yeah, I hope you are enjoying your cup of coffee. By the way, David, did you get a cup of coffee
0: when you went in the mountains? Last week, you were in the mountains do you, like, what'd you take with you? Did you enjoy any
1: coffee or any, uh, amenities? yeah, so we, we had coffee, uh, but then we ran out of water. So we had to like, walk, <laughs> we had to skip the coffee <laughs> and walk out of there. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I guess you need water.
0: Is that, is, yeah. is coffee higher on Maslow's hierarchy of needs or is it lower? I yeah, don't know. I guess well, the It definitely the makes base. you
1: lose water. So you definitely, if you're short on water, you gotta, you gotta skip the coffee. Well, how was yeah. the trip though? Oh dude, it's super good, man. Uh, we were five thousand, five and a half thousand feet up, but we're like the zero is we started started at like three thousand, but like we're in Washington, so basically like really close to sea level. You can see the ocean. From the top of the mountain, uh, it was great, man. It was great. Feeling. And you also feeling. Uh, had cell service, I heard, because you yes. checking in. Yeah. Here so and there. I mean, we, we we were so high on the mountain that like we had sight lines with Victoria, British Columbia, uh, and so we actually were able to get service. And so when I wake up on Sunday, I just like look at my phone to check out the time, and I have like a widget on my front screen that shows me the uh, shows me the Ether price every single. You're checking prices on the Oh mountain. no, I knew I, it. It's I knew like, it. I can't not check prices. It's on my home <laughs> screen. Like it's the first well, you thing. You can delete up. it from your home screen. No, no, you, no, I can't. <laughs> okay, it's hard and coded so, into the OS, right. and so I, I wake up on Sunday morning, I'm like, sweet, we're down like 10%, like big ass red candle. Excuse my language, sorry. Uh, yeah, you knew it, huh? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. right, right
0: after the roll up too, when we, prices were up. So, and then we had a crash. But yeah. you, you also saw some like uh, strange activity while you're yeah, there. Yeah, dude. This, okay, so I don't know. This sounds a little conspiracy theory to
1: me. So, con- convince th- me. This is what this is what we were worried about. Okay, so it is 9:46. It's, it's dark out. We're on the top of the mountain, and. And you know, we're watching a a shooting star here or there, There, there's a shooting star, there's a shooting star, it's nice, super cute. Um, And then uh, (laughs) we see this very slow line in the sky, I'm like, wow, that is the slowest moving shooting star I've ever seen. And then it just doesn't go away, like shooting stars go away like a second or less. This thing, we saw it for 90 seconds, maybe a little bit longer, and it was just like this long line. And it had this weird trajectory, it was like, first it was coming down across the horizon like a shooting star, but then it changed direction and started moving toward us. And then it (laughs) went right over us, and it was this line of light. And as it got closer and closer, it turned from a line to like a series of dots. And then but. it, it looks like we were like right below like you know how those planes like trail um a It's like you know marry me Susan yeah, or yeah, something yeah, yeah it, was, it was like that but lights but who who has ever seen those with lights on them so like okay, that was okay. it Okay okay so what do you guys thinking
0: there like there, there has to be a the group of 5 of you I know one of them we got to be a believer out, dude. UFO like, believer I am a
1: I feel like a very sane grounded individual and I'm like <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an explanation for what this is. This is, it can't be a plane. You think it's possible? I don't, I don't know. Like, it is by definition an unidentified flying object because we didn't know how to identify <laughs> it and so we were all like dude like th- there's no explanation for what this thing possibly is like 30 to 40 dots in a row flying at a uniform there was no sound no propeller engine no jet sound like didn't make any goddamn sense uh and so we well, we had service so we started pulling up twitter and we typed in like ufo uh P- olympic peninsula washington and like 50 other people's videos and photos of the same exact thing all showed up and like people freaking out like what the hell is this what the hell is this? And then we saw like people also saw in like Albany, New York, and like Minnesota, and we're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> That's weird. And so <laughs> this turn, is in the middle of the night. Middle at 9:46 p.m. 9:46 okay. p.m. Because uh, I have the video like tagged. Uh, and then and then because we're we're f- eventually figuring it out. It's like apparently it's Starlink launched like 58 new Starlink satellites, oh <laughs> and when they launched them, apparently they launched them like ducks in a row. And they, they start very close together, but over time, they spread out. Uh, but, like, it took us forever to get there. And also, that's what they say allegedly. Like, it's a very, very, like, co- like coincidental cover-up story. And All then right, the, the wait, next wait. thing that happens is that we see again exactly 24 hours and two minutes later when we go back to the cabin. And we're sitting out on the beach under by the campfire. And we see it again. We see it again. It, oh. it, it was one of the most like. God, it's, it's just Elon Musk messing around. Messing up around with, him. with him. Yeah, Not yeah. aliens. Rich people playing rich people games. I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. But
0: you know what? This is, um, this is not going to become a UFO truther podcast, I hope, David, unless yeah, you are. Yeah. Like, what's the probability now you think this was a UFO versus Elon?
1: Totally. Uh, I mean, I would expect, so when we, we were up there, we were like, okay, we're going to get back to like civilization tomorrow and like either aliens are going to be here or we're going to have like a rational explanation for this. And <laughs> aliens are not here and no one has else has said it's not Starlink. So like I'm going with Starlink. All right, well, Bankless listener, if you've, if you've heard this story, you have <laughs> other information for
0: David to, to feed his uh, alternative ideas, then please uh, send it over to us. But we're going to get to crypto right now. Oh, First thing crypto, on the I menu. Forgot. Yeah, you remember crypto? The <laughs> other big conspiracy theory out there. Out there uh the tornado chill tornado cash just got a little bit colder some mm-hmm. bad things happening but also some good things happening mm-hmm. maybe a page is turned some people are fighting back we're going to talk about that david what else are we covering
1: tribe dow is shutting down there's a proposal from the tribe dow team to shut down and call it a day much to the consternation of the tribe community uh, so we're going to cover that and like how the proposal actually looks like to wind the thing down uh and then bitboy the you know do you know Bitboy is crypto's biggest YouTuber account I did not know uh, filed that. a lawsuit on a, against another YouTuber who made a video of him talking about him being a scammy pump and dumper uh, and then Bitboy files a lawsuit of, like citing like defamation and like destroying Bitboy's business um, and then all of crypto Twitter Ryan shows up to defend this other. Uh, youtuber who's not a crypto youtuber who made this video about BitBoy. uh oh. so we're gonna cover all of that drama uh and this uh and Co- kobe who just yeeted a hundred thousand dollars to help defend this uh innocent crypto youtuber um high drama high drama in crypto twitter this week awesome i
0: think we also have some
1: merge updates
0: of course some coming out from the ethereum foundation too so a uh, a date is definitely being proposed uh speaking of dates that are proposed it's a date of a conference that's coming up our friends and sponsors smartcon this is a conference by chainlink this is a crypto web3 conference look at these speakers david mm-hmm. this conference is absolutely stacked Some i've attended chats. virtually yeah. mm-hmm. uh the past couple of years this time it's in person it's physical mm-hmm. So you know I won't be there because it's a physical conference. But everyone else should go. I'm the weird one because who do we got that's going to this conference, David?
1: Yeah, we got Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google. We have Sergey Nazaros, of course, founder of Chainlink. Uh, Balaji, uh recently had him on the podcast. SBF, Ed Felton from Arbitrums. Donnie from Ave. Uh, Emin from uh, Avalanche. Anatoly from Solana. Kane from Synthetix. Uh, and so this is a, the first time that SmartCon is actually in real life. And so previously, it's been in virtual uh, every single year. But this is in real life. There is a link in the show notes to get a ticket if you so choose to go and also a code bankless to get a hefty discount if you also want a hefty discount, which why wouldn't you? Hefty discount. This is uh, for
0: you, for the bankless community. Just type in bankless and get that discount uh, a gift from the folks at SmartCon. Uh, Thank you for that. All right, David, let's get to the Mm. markets today. Bitcoin. I'm seeing some red candles. Yeah, I'm some seeing B- some big down right
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right after we recorded the weekly roll up last week. So, like, when Bankless listeners opened up the weekly roll up Friday morning, like, all of our numbers Everything were all was bad. Wrong. It was all bad. Yeah. <laughs> it happened like Light. Friday. Yeah. Um, uh, and so, uh, let's see. Uh, Bitcoin started the week at thousand dollars ending the week at 21 dollars down 8.2% on the week. Oof. Oof. That doesn't feel good. Down doesn't, almost doesn't, double digits. Yeah. And yeah. Ether, I think, is down double is digits down this week. Is down double digits, yeah. yeah. Started, started the week at 1920 ending the week at $1,700, where we are now. Uh, down 11.4% on the week. David, what happened to my merge trade, man? Did it I mean, die it, last it, week? No, it's fine.
0: It's fine. <laughs> we're, we're back 14 days. We're back 14 days. Uh, just back in time, 14 days. All right. Not a big deal. That's what happens when you're Tuesday. Uh, zoomed uh, too closely to this, but mm-hmm. how about the ETH Bitcoin ratio? Cause that's a, that's a tell for whether mm-hmm. we're in merge season or not.
1: Yeah. Where it started the last week at 0.0795 down to 0.0876. Uh, so down 1%. But if you look at the chart, like you zoom in, it was basically 0.08, went all the way down to 0.073 and then recovered to where it is now at 0.0787. So like like went down a lot and then recovered a lot uh and so to me that like pressure that buy pressure to keep uh the eth btc ratio at its like local highs i think is the merge trade that's kind of strange the, like what that's happened merge here? strength merge strength what happened here like
0: why did this happen on friday last friday this big candle down. Oh, i don't know i don't know market's, gonna, stuff market. Happens. market's C- gonna market crypto
1: does go down did you know Sometimes
0: you know? on a daily, hourly, minute by minute basis, even <laughs> goes up and down. is what they tell me.
1: Sometimes it so goes down do we, for
0: an entire year. I'm back to David. Why do we even do numbers, huh? <laughs> Every
1: week. Uh, how about the total crypto market cap? While we're doing numbers, what is yeah. that looking da- like? Down from where it was last week, 1.16 billion, excuse me, trillion, to where it is now at 1.086 trillion. Uh, so down, what, what is that? Uh, 0.8 trillion on the week. Do you know, David, I remember a time when total crypto
0: market cap was $10 billion. Some people remember oh, yeah. way, like, way, like, sooner than that. But, like, I remember the days, like, 2016 mm-hmm. when Ethereum was like 500 million to a billion mm-hmm. and, like, Bitcoin was just the big behemoth. It's right. so zooming out, this feels a whole lot better. Like, $1 trillion, what a success yeah, for zooming crypto out over to the where last 90%
1: decade. of these listeners weren't here,
0: Ryan. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but look at these things you know like uh i don't know we're back to crypto prices i came up i came in like in
1: did. june of 2017 and the, the total crypto market cap was 80 billion dollars wow see how wow. silly is that now you're at wow. a trillion wow what a success wow it's been very successful yeah and and june
0: of 2017 was like kind of like pretty we're, frothy we're, at that time there,
1: we were well into the bull market yeah mm-hmm. oh, was I, was, I was a right 2017 right? top buyer certainly <laughs> <laughs>
0: that top buyer badge with pride. I think we yeah. all were. We've mm-hmm. all bought some tops around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you learn in crypto. But let's talk about some gov stuff. You want to talk gov stuff? A little bit. Just a little bit. Because some gov stuff's stuff. happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biden just okayed a sweeping student loan relief plan as midterms near. That's a key word. As midterms yeah. near. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right before November. Of course. Uh, November, right. Uh-huh. But also, what's
1: happening here? Uh, it looks like some debt forgiveness. Yeah, ten thousand dollars of student debt is being forgiven for anyone who receives less than one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year. So, if you make one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year or less, you have ten thousand less dollars of student debt if you had it just been uh, eliminated. It's gone. 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 They, they, they deleted the zero or the $10,000. Uh, if you had a Pell Grant, you uh, got up to $20,000 of student debt for low- and middle-income borrowers who had a Pell Grant. Um, so, cool. Some I, And so, like, you know, a lot of people have student debt. So, add, like, multiply $10,000 by the number of people who make less than $120,000, uh, $25,000 a year. Um, that... Right. And who have student debt. Like that's a large number. I don't really, I think there's that calculation in this article, but it's a pretty good number. It's funny. I um, mean, you just said cool. Some people think cool.
0: And a lot right. of people who have student debt are like, this is cool. Sick. And, you know, some people who, who don't, mm-hmm. but they're just supportive of debt relief, uh, are, also think this is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some other people don't think it's very cool as right. well, right? Right. Um, th- this does remind me a lot of the PPP loans though, which were loans for um, businesses. <laughs> Some small businesses got the funds. A lot of large businesses got the funds that were eventually forgiven during COVID. It kind of reminds me of that, uh, and it, it strikes me that um, you know some of the people who got the money are generally in favor of this, and the people who didn't get the money aren't, right? Uh, and so,
1: like, weird just how very, that works. <laughs> it just
0: feels very much like different uh, constituencies are um, hooking, finding their way to hook into the money printer, right? And whether mm-hmm. that's a good or bad thing, that's kind of beyond the scope of this podcast to consider. But what we are looking at is the money printer continues to go burr, right? right. And one, uh, you know, whether it's red or blue, one uh, politician gets in control and rewards their constituency, and then another gets in control of rewards theirs through tax cuts or debt relief or stimulus checks or that sort of thing. I feel very much like David; we're we're kind of losing the credible neutrality of the of the money printer through this process, though. And that is certainly a contrast with crypto. David, you've got a meme here. Uh, I think this is the classic trolley problem. What are we looking at here?
1: Yeah, so there's two like fights on this debate. there's like there, people some people are sad that like they paid back their student loans and then then the student loan gets canceled and they're like, well F, like I shouldn't have paid it back. I should have waited just to just get it canceled. So there's like a, a, I think I thought, I thought a funny trolley meme here uh, trolley problem. Uh, and so the trolley problem of course, traditionally it's there's one person on one track, five people on the other track. If you do nothing, if you don't divert the trolley, the trolley is going to kill five people and so if you do something if you divert the trolley by like switching the lever then it only kills one person it's a moral question as to like do you take the action you as a person with agency do you take the action to divert the trolley to kill one person rather than five people in my mind you absolutely do that even though you then become like a murderer technically you You also save five people it's like net beneficial Anyway, utilitarian Utilitarian, yeah. Uh, this trolley, but there's also there, like, an infinity number of like renditions of the trolley problem. So this one, the trolley has already killed 10 people. And if you divert the trolley, it won't kill five people. It will instead kill zero people. And then the person who's like in control of the lever says, but if I divert the trolley now, that would be unfair to the people that it's already killed. I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny meme. Yeah, no,
0: I get it. This this is kind of the argument. It's like, uh, But you bring up an interesting question, David, mm-hmm. about your ethics. I'm right. curious here. So uh, have you ever played that uh, like trolley problem game where it's like 30 different renditions of the trolley problem?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, right, they start right. off relatively like easy, but then they get more and more like hard. Yeah, okay. So there's like some that are very, very difficult, right? right? So like mm-hmm.
0: you got a baby on one side and then five people... If over uh, 85, right? Uh, on the other side, and do mm. you flip the switch? Right. Is it baby, or do you let the trolley go kill five 85-year-old people? What do what, what do you decide in that case? Oh, am I am I on the stands here? Yes, I'm curious. <laughs> as my as my business partner and co-host, I need to know your <laughs> your moral ethics, David. We haven't okay, discussed so, this
1: yet. Uh, big utilitarian <laughs> over here. So, like the way that I would do this, if I was to do this. Uh, like, how old are these people, 80, 80 years old? Like 80, if the... 85. Okay, so like, I don't know what the, what the stats are, but the way I would come to determine this is that if you are 85 years old, what is your expected remaining years to live? Uh, and so like, if your expected remaining years to live is like eight, multiply that by five and you get 40. And then you take the expected remaining years to live of the baby, and if it's greater than 40, then you kill the old people and save the baby.
0: Okay. Let me modify that. What if one of these 85-year-old people are Nobel Prize-winning scientists uh, on the cusp of curing cancer? what then oh if
1: if you know they're on the cusp of curing cancer then you absolutely kill the goddamn baby because that baby hasn't done <laughs> oh my anything gosh. he's sick i can't well, believe no, cuz like with if you guy. kill if you cure cancer you in, in like re, re, recreate like Dude, there's billions no of years answers of life to
0: these problems all right kill
1: the kill the baby Ryan. kill the baby <laughs> oh my god do it
0: <laughs> we're about to get sued by bitboy or all sorts of um different agencies here Okay, that my, my just favorite made
1: one which i think is the one that okay the most answers I, I answered with consensus but the one Ask that anyone. i didn't answer with consensus was yeah. um do you kill one human or five sentient robots what do you do well i've got to represent the ai side so definitely. <laughs> <a
0: human>. <laughs> <laughs> well okay that's
1: good because i also represented the ro- the the ai side Oh my God. Can we get back to crypto? <laughs> sentience is sentience. Who am I to
0: judge? You know, at some point in time, I guess maybe uh, AIs will be making these decisions for us. That I reminds me of our uh, of sick. our episode with right. Dimitri that's coming right. up. Yeah. It's Will, today, will the future AIs
1: of the world please let it be known that if the trolley problem kills AIs, yes. that I choose to save you? <laughs> uh, is that Rocco's Ballask? right? Roku's Basilisk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roku's
0: Basilisk. Anyway, let's God, move deep, on.
1: Deep cuts so far on this roll deep up. Deep
0: cuts on this roll up. Uh, <laughs> maybe this will make the cut. Maybe you'll never hear this. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Did you know, though? OK, so we're just talking about Biden. More money printing, of course, more debt forgiveness. It That is what it is. Uh, here is a tweet from uh, Jacob Franek, who says a Fed study finds that 60 percent of all U.S. inflation over 2019 to 2021 was due to what? A demand for goods thanks to fiscal stimulus Mm -hmm. and other aggregate
1: demand factors. Ryan, what is student loan forgiveness? This is fiscal stimulus. Is that fiscal stimulus? Is that increasing everyone's net worth by $10,000? It puts more money in
0: people's pockets, more perceived money. They're more willing to spend Mm -hmm. on other things, including meme stocks, because they're probably millennials, uh, and also crypto, right? Mm. Which is kind of an interesting Mm. byproduct, but there's a direct link between the money printing and fiscal stimulus, of course, and uh, inflation, which is a problem, David, because the US is in the process, the Fed is in the process of trying to get inflation under control. This is a chart from Pantera Capital, and this is showing the real 10-year treasury yield. Okay, so this is if you buy a um, a treasury bond for uh, 10 years, your real rate of return right now—that's the return of the bond minus inflation—is negative six percent. Sorry, right? Negative six <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. David? Would you buy this bond, earning negative six percent per year right now? Okay, so
1: I feel like there's two rational ways to say yes to that question. If I embarrass on the stock market, and I think the stock market is going to go down more than six percent. Then, yes, I would buy bonds. Rather Um, than have it in stocks. Rather than have it in stocks, yes. Um, What was the other one? I can't remember. Uh, What was the other one that said? the other one is maybe you're
0: the fed and you have to buy bonds to keep the entire because oh, that's what's yeah, happening yeah,
1: that's the other rational outcome yeah what's yeah. actually
0: happening is they're kind of running out of buyers right because a lot of people mm-hmm. are like this is not a great deal with inflation running so hot and they're buying alternative assets so the fed has been buying a lot of bonds historically of course anyway it's a real quandary and i think there's a juxtaposition between debt forgiveness uh inflation and also the real return on uh sovereign bonds and you contrast that with with crypto and this is the market we find ourselves in uh, right now.
1: Um, David, there's also some energy price things going on. What's Mm -hmm. this? Yeah, this is a graph of the cost of a megawatt hour in euro terms in in Germany. Um, I I haven't been paying too much to the macro markets except for like a a tweet here and there talking about the commodities markets, which are looking bad and energy markets, which are looking worse. So just let it be known. We don't have time to go into it. And I'm also just not an expert. But energy in Europe is really expensive right now. Um, Going to the the start of the year, say, let's just pick an arbitrary point is like January 2022. The cost of a euro megawatt hour about like 80 to 100 euros for a megawatt hour. We are currently up to 313. So it's 3x'd uh, and since the start of the year. Uh, so energy costs, Europe going up. That's bad. That's bad. And That's it's going bearish.
0: up relative to euros in particular, which is right. kind of bad um, because euros uh, are, uh, Europe is a next exporter, net exporter of energy. So they don't have mm-hmm. energy kind of backing their their currency the way rubles do. More on that in the Luke Raman episode, which I think is a fantastic okay. episode on that that we did. But, David, uh, we're talking about money printing. SBF and FTX was definitely printing some money back yeah, in the a bull run. Kind. <laughs> <I don't laughs> know, it's not printing money if it's revenue. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh,
1: some leaked financial data. How much was FTX making last year? Uh, in 2020, first off, before we get to last year, in 2020, FTX was making just a measly below $90 million. You know, just below $90 million in 2020. In 2021, they were making over a billion dollars <laughs> of revenue. <laughs> uh, so from under $90 million to over a billion in revenue, uh, some insane profit margins, profitable with 27% operating margins. And then, not only did they make just a ton of money in 2021, but they also made a ton of strategic acquisitions. Uh, and so they after just like like Sam Bankman-Fried and FTX just won the bull market made a bunch of money bought a bunch of businesses at a very cheap discounts because all of those businesses were distressed uh, so FTX really just won the bull market for sure yeah they definitely did and that that's what they're doing buying these uh, distressed assets right now um
0: david This is interesting, I think. We wanted to include this here because Mm -hmm. uh, it seems like a a Layer 2 season might be afoot. Some more competition for alternative L1s, at least on the NFT side. This is a stat from Immutable X. What's Immutable X doing?
1: Immutable has passed Solana in daily NFT sales volume in dollar terms. Uh, Now it is the only chain, uh, it's the second chain with the most volume behind the Ethereum layer one. And this kind of just makes sense. Like Immutable is a NFT optimized platform. It's built for NFTs and for trading NFTs um, and also with super cheap fees, kind of like Solana. So perhaps eating into Solana's market share, um, but also Solana overall is down in NFT trading volume. It was between like three and five million dollars. Uh, in daily nft trading volume back in june uh now it's down to one million dollars of daily nft trading volume and where um uh, imx has now gone to like one and a quarter million dollars in trading volume this is one thing we predicted not
0: sure if we're right on this thesis but uh, alternative layer ones will find themselves uh competing more with layer twos,
1: Ethereum layer twos, Mm -hmm. than Ethereum directly. Um, Maybe that's starting to play out now. It's also also just a big plus one to the modular Ethereum thesis where specific chains that are custom built to do and perform specific activities are going to be better at those activities than monolithic chains who have to like have trade-offs because they want to do everything at once.
0: Right. And here's a plus one to the bankless thesis. So maybe we've learned something this cycle, as we always learn things. Uh, Did you know that even in the midst of a bear market, crypto hardware wallets are up, up bigly? Mm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so Ledger says their sales recently blew up since the uh, Celsius hacked by 4.5x. 4.5x. Trezor and SafePal also up. Hefty sales figures. People are withdrawing their funds from centralized exchanges. They're taking sovereignty of their own crypto, taking uh, their own keys, they're going bankless and they're buying hardware wallets. And that's on the on the back of centralized exchange failure. This is a good thing, I right. think. We are learning our lesson uh, and mm-hmm. we are getting more people to go bankless. I'm
1: kind of bullish on this actually, David. Yes, of course. This is. I mean, this is how the crypto industry learns. We learn through pain. Uh, So when something bad happens, when everyone gets like a punch to the stomach, they're like, I didn't like that. What can what can I do to not have that happen to me again? Uh, And hardware wallets are definitely a solution. Absolutely. Get
0: more resilient as time goes on. David, got a lot more to cover uh, in the next section. What are we going to talk about?
1: Oh my God, so much. Uh, First, coming up next is the freezing, the chilling effect of the tornado cache. But we also got some thawers on the horizon, people trying to stop the freezing and thaw things. Am (laughs) I drawing out this metaphor too much? I don't know, Uh, probably. Uh, But in addition to that, the TribeDAO trying to unwind, trying to shut down proposal from the TribeDAO team to just call it a day with Tribe uh, and the community backlash as a result of that. And also, BitBoy. Sue's a YouTuber, but the entire crypto community, the entire crypto Twitter community shows up to defend that YouTuber. So we'll get into that drama, which is some juicy drama and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that help you go bankless. RocketPool is your friendly, decentralized Ethereum staking protocol. You can stake your ETH with RocketPool and get our ETH in return, allowing you to stake your ETH and use it in DeFi at the same time. You can get 4% on your ETH by staking it with RocketPool, but you can get even more by running a node. RocketPool is the only staking provider that allows anyone to permissionlessly join their network of validating nodes. Running a RocketPool node is easier to set up than running a solo node, and you only need 16 ETH to get started. Why would you do this? You get an extra 15% staking commission on the pooled ETH, so your APY is boosted. So if you're bullish e-staking, you can increase your APY and get some extra tokens by adding your node to the decentralized Rocket Pool network, which currently has over a thousand independent validators. It's yield farming, but with Ethereum nodes. You can get started at RocketPool.net and also join the RocketPool community in their Discord. You can find me hanging out there sometimes in the chat, so I'll see you there. Lens Protocol is an open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It is the new era for social media. We all have toxic relationships with our Web2 apps. We want to break up with them, but we can't. These applications own our digital lives and all the relationships that we've made. We need to break through to a new paradigm of social networking applications that we control rather than them controlling us. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let a thousand Web3 social apps bloom. Lens is a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. In crypto, we say not your keys not your crypto and on lens we say not your keys not your profile with lens your followers go with you to whatever social media application you want to use and instead of being trapped by an algorithm chosen by that app lens lets you choose the way you want to experience your social media
0: all right guys we are back more on tornado cash so more on the ofac sanctions of course as you know ofac sanctioned for the very first time smart contracts on ethereum the tornado cash smart contracts the last couple of weeks we've been dealing with and talking about the fallout from that here one of the follow up items this is in the in the negative uh, section. There's also some positive things we're going to talk about, but um, what is this first headline we're looking at, David?
1: Yeah, so post merge, uh, a lot of all of the Ethereum clients are going to have this thing called MEV Boost kind of plugged into it, like a little bit of a sidecar um, that's produced by Flashbots. Uh, and this is something that is first an accessory to the Ethereum protocol, but then later becomes integrated into the Ethereum protocol. Um, basically, it, it's a precursor to proposer builder separation, and it allows Ethereum stakers to just receive pre-created blocks from MEV Boost, from uh, uh, these people called block builders who are building blocks, which are, it's kind of a computationally intensive thing to do, and then these block builders just propose these blocks to proposers, e-stakers, proposers are e-stakers, and then e-stakers take these blocks, and then you, they just like, oh, I'll take that bid associated with that block and I'll propose that. Uh, this service is going to be created by this thing called MEV Boost, but Sadly, uh, Flashbots is a US centralized entity, and they stated that they plan on complying with OFAC regulations because they don't want to go to jail, like relatively rational. Uh, And so, as a result of that, that's one of the big conversations that trigger this Ethereum censorship conversation saying, oh, well, if Flashbots is going to be maintain OFAC compliance, we're almost doing censorship at the protocol level. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, Flashbots has accelerated the um, open sourcing of MEB Boost and their relayers so that more people can participate to remove some of that censorship. But the point here is that Flashbots as a, as a centralized regulated entity is not going to go toe-to-toe with OFAC and they will be complying with OFAC. Um, I actually wouldn't necessarily classify this as a tornado Cash chilling effect. I would actually straight up saying like this is, they would otherwise be in violations. Uh, and so you can't really blame them. Like I wouldn't say like, n- no, oh, uh, tornado, uh, excuse me, no, uh, flashbots people, you got to go to jail for us. Um, but it's also stuff we don't like. Yeah, definitely.
0: And uh, there's two things for this. One, if you still have more questions on MEV v Boost or Flashbots, go to the episode that we released earlier this week on Flashbots. You'll understand all of that. And we actually recorded mm-hmm. that episode before all the tornado right. cache stuff happened. So we weren't able to ask the censorship resistance questions. Mm-hmm. But... If you're wondering how this affects Ethereum's long term protocol censorship resistance, listen to our episode coming out with Justin Drake this Monday. New Drake dropping. It's so good. Okay. This is uh, our episode. I think we called it Ethereum Uncensored. Yeah. And uh, he classifies this Cream problem <laughs> the problem of flashbots and block builder censorship as a uh, form of weak uh, uh, censorship attack, weak sensor attack. And so he goes through the difference between weak and strong and shows what the mitigators are. Anyway, fantastic episode. If you're worried, like I am, when you read a headline and you're like, Flashbots is blacklisting wallets, what does this mean? Got to do your research. Listen to both those episodes coming out on Bankless. Uh, We could
1: talk a lot more about that, but there's more. Uh, more, FTX. This, this user- is actually tornado cash chilling effect. As in, this yes. did not need to happen. This is not. No one is forcing FTX to do this.
0: So there's a uh, layer two similar to tornado cash in terms of the tech stack it uses, yeah. but mm-hmm. also different, more advanced in, in some ways. We talked about it a lot. It's called Aztec, mm-hmm. uh, and FTX actually froze a user account who sent coins to Aztec's zk money. Aztec, of course, was not on any OFAC sanctions list. Right. Does use similar technology, preserves your privacy it, on chain only in mixer, layer two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now here's a um, crypto exchange saying wallets can no longer, uh, with like uh, our users can no longer withdraw to Aztec. Right. Big problem, flashing red light. What do you think about this, David?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is like, this is like an unforced error, I would say. Like what, if we're going to be in crypto, can we live by crypto values, which is to not censor like minimum viable censorship that doesn't make operators of FTX and others go to jail. Uh, and so Aztec, you can just go and use Aztec right now. You're not violating any laws. You are free to do so. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, uh, and so the fact that we are banning people that are using Aztec before just because it is privacy services is like against the ethos of crypto. We didn't need to do this. This is bad.
0: Yeah, this is part of the chilling effect. Um, Aztec also responding by mm-hmm. implementing some practical deterrence and measuring uh, their effectiveness. Um, right. This is a tweet from Aztec, and I understand why they're where they're putting this out there. They want to say that they're doing something but I don't like it, David, look at this. I don't like that
1: they have to do it, yeah.
0: I don't like that they have to do it or they feel like they have to do it. This is all part of the chilling effect. They're doing some IP specific deposit rate limiting. They're Mm -hmm. looking at people's IP addresses and trying to rate limit how much you can deposit. Nothing else, this um, has a throttling effect to how many people use Aztec in the scale of what Aztec could be. So this is a throttling effect for privacy for
1: uh, everyone in the world. Um, A massive problem. And let it be known that, like, if you are North Korea or a highly motivated actor, you can get around all of these things. Oh, dude, that's except for except for the system-wide daily asset deposit caps, which they mean like you know, like no more than one thousand ether can go into Aztec on a daily basis. Other than that, it actually just makes it have more friction for individual people like you and me, and it's annoying for somebody like North Korea. But it's not going to stop them in the slightest.
0: David, have you seen that meme of, like, uh, there's a guy and there's, like, a sidewalk? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, yes. That's, the, the, like, so the
1: six-inch wide or the six-feet-long barrier that has no barriers on either side. Yeah. And it's, like, it, banning North Korea.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so it's, like, North Korea is obviously just going to right. route around all of this as yeah. they usually mm-hmm. would. So the only group that you're punishing are law-abiding, privacy-seeking right. individuals, which right. is a big problem. Uh, but let's keep but moving, But it's not
1: ASIC's fault. That, that is OFAC's fault. That's OFAC's fault.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. It depends like I I think there's a spectrum of how much you react to the chilling effect, right? Sure. I I don't want um look, people can't code from jail. We can't do a, a the right. Bankless podcast in an orange suit. Right? Yeah. So like we got to we got to stay out of jail in order to continue mm-hmm. this stuff. And yet, we don't have to be over-compliers either. Yeah. And so I'm not sure what the line is here, but um mm-hmm. there is uh, a line here. Anyway, the fight continues, but what is uh, happening with Uniswap Labs?
1: Yeah, more wallets are being banned from TRM Labs, which the Uniswap front-end and other front-ends used to ban... to block banned addresses. So 253 crypto wallet addresses over the last month have been banned. Uh, they have been claimed to belong to criminals and hackers or interfere with U.S. government sanctions. So DeFi front end's getting harder to use for, well, 253 addresses. But. Sad.
0: And, you know, Jake Trevinsky says he doesn't blame uh, right. organizations for doing this at this right. point in time. Again, Because of the
1: chilling effect.
0: If you want more of the mitigators for front end uh, kind of bands. Then listen to that Justin Drake episode. He he walks through all the ways we can we can solve this as a community. Um, but also David, the developer, uh, Alex Pertsev, who was arrested by uh, authorities in the Netherlands, is still in jail. Right. Okay. And so will he, be. he yeah he's been in jail now. I think for for 12, 13 days. Right. Uh, and a judge just ruled that he will spend the next 90 days in jail as well until, until there's a hearing. Date, yeah. No charges have been laid.
1: Uh-uh.
0: No charges. Uh-huh. We don't know why he's in How are you supposed to
1: hire a legal defense if you don't have charges?
0: Uh, it's unbelievable. How do you course, go to
1: court without charges? They tried to, his
0: lawyers uh, apparently tried to um, make bail and bail was denied. Uh, again, no charges, right? It's just like, it, Where's it, this, the due process. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, some people are um, protesting this uh, as they should yeah. be. There, there's some ways to get involved too. So some people are literally protesting in person. Um, you know, this is this is my tweet. A uh, judge just ruled that Alex must stay in jail. Alexi must stay in jail. Alex wrote some open source privacy code, of public good. A few bad guys used his code, so they put him in, in a cage. Who's next? Vitalik? Tim Berners Lee? We're going to arrest the, the creator of TCPIP in the internet. Uh, so I think we need to get loud as a community. And uh, there are ways to do that. There's a website called setalexfree.nl where you can join a uh, sign a petition, join a telegram group, um, donate in various places, and start to speak out. Because we at least need to know what he's being charged for. If they right. don't have a charge, they need to let the guy free because it looks like they're just putting him in jail for writing code. Right. How is that permissible
1: in yeah. any free, open, democratic society? Yeah, there better be a real good reason why that guy's in jail. Uh, otherwise, it's it's completely ridiculous. Uh,
0: and also scary. So also protests scary. happening as
1: well. Um, but David, there's also some good the news thars in this coming story. to the rescue. Okay, got, what's a thar? Imagine people with flamethrowers just like flamethrowing the tornado <laughs> cash chilling effect. That's like that's what's okay. going on here. So, right. uh, Representative Tom Emmer, who we've had on the podcast, tweets out: "I sent a letter to Secretary Yellen regarding the unprecedented sanctioning of Tornado Cash. The growing of, de- of adoption of decentralized technology will certainly raise new challenges for OFAC, nonetheless." technology is neutral, and the expectation of privacy is normal. Oh, wow, I like that line. Expectation of privacy is normal. Thank you, (laughs) Uh, thank you. And then this is what this guy, Ryan Sean Adams says, thank you for standing up to privacy, Representative Tom Emmer. But he is not the only tornado cash flamethrower of the chilling effect. Um, Matthew Green, who we've also had on the podcast, he says uh, on Twitter, I made a GitHub organization to republish a fork of Tornado Cache repositories that were banned following the Treasury's sanction order of the other week. So there's Tornado Cache code back up on GitHub, a new GitHub repository with Tornado Cache because all that is is open source code. Uh, Matthew Green, nice job. Third, Tornado Cache uh, flamethrower anti chilling effect Thar person, Tether. <laughs> tether, tether hold, that's unexpected yeah tether tether holds firm on a decision to not freeze tornado cash addresses awaits law enforcement instructions so basically saying Ooh. hey guys we're not going to freeze those but you know come talk we'll come talk come yeah talk. send us a reason
0: like yes. give yeah. give us a court order right uh, they're they're not falling victim to the
1: overcompliance. Uh, trap. I will say though, uh, Tether has like blacklisted, I think like 10 to 50 times more addresses than USDC has, but granted it's it's been around longer and it's had a higher market cap longer than USDC. So some asterisks
0: there. Uh, definitely. Um, ultimately David, as we get into the Justin Drake episode, our greatest defense is the layer zero, right? Mm -hmm. And if there is some sort of censored version, OFAC, uh, uh, sanctioned version, uh, of Ethereum versus an uncensorable original Ethereum, which one of the core devs going to support? Which Mm -hmm. one is the Ethereum community going to uh, actually develop software for and actually want to use? This is um, a quote directly from the last core devs call from one of the core devs of Ethereum. He says this, if we allow censorship of user transactions on the network, then we basically failed. This is the hill that I'm willing to die on we start allowing users to be censored on ethereum then this whole thing doesn't make sense and i will be leaving the ecosystem who's going to work on your ofac sanctioned ethereum version chills it's not going to be the core devs of ethereum right.
1: that's for sure right uh yeah it's see been yeah, good th- to that's see that a really response. good point if if ofac wants an ofac compliant version of ethereum they build it. N- they need to build all of that infrastructure from themselves because no ethereum core devs are going to be like okay yeah we're, we'll just build OFAC compliance into our censorship resistant blockchain ethereum.gov like, no. baby <laughs> let's go <laughs> let's do it build your own blockchain if you want a sanctioned one china's doing it oh why God, can't the u.s yeah. do it yeah mm-hmm. go do it uh, nice uh, job this is uh marius on the uh, geth team geth uh, i mean probably the most important piece of ethereum infrastructure that exists bullish bullish i think bullish layer zero david
0: Yep. Let's move on to the next story. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about here?
1: Yeah, so this is uh, the, uh, the FAE fallout of the FAE Dow. Uh, so the, the title of this article here is that the FAE community is up in arms over the dissolution plan. Uh, and so uh, citing technical, financial, and future regulatory risks, the team behind FAE says it's ready to call it quits. Uh, they make a proposal to the DAO, but that proposal would only partially repay 80 million dollars of the uh, of the Rari hack, which is now the Rari fay Ferrari. Remember that whole thing. Um, so uh, Rari DAO, uh, Rari got, got hacked 80 million dollars, and there's plenty of funds to pay back these hack victims in full. But according to this proposal, this proposal pays back the uh, Tribe token holders. Hence, the, you know, this is the Tribe team. But, uh, and only pay back the hack victims partially. Uh, at the peak of the bull market, the fay market cap, the FEI stablecoin was over $800 million. Now it's just $140 million. Uh, a comment from uh, Sam Kazmani, founder of Frax, says it's a new low for DeFi. So an important part of this story is that back in May, holders of the Tribe token, the, the entity's governance token, all voted to make the community whole after the RARI hack by repaying the bad debt on behalf of the hacker uh, but the specifics were to be hammered out later. But then when the specifics were actually hammered out, the team, with the majority owners of the tribe token, the actual like centralized team, voted no. Uh, and the team said that, well, the original vote was non-binding since it didn't take place on chain, oof. Big lame, big lame. Okay, so going into the actual details of the proposal for the wind down of the FEI DAO, which is coming out of the FEI team, there's three phases, a consolidation phase, a fuse hack repayment phase, and then a final redemption phase. Uh, Basically, consolidation is just like a liquidity phase. It's like, let's just sell all the assets and get as much as liquidity as possible. The current account uh, ownership, uh, asset ownerships of the FEI DAO, the tribe DAO, uh, 50,000 staked ETH, 22,000 ETH, uh, that 22,000 ETH is going to be converted into DAI using Balancer. That 50,000 staked ETH, because it's li- illiquid, is going to be distributed to tribe token holders pro rata because they can't sell that. So they're just going to distribute the staked ether. Uh, there's 18.7 million LUSD from the Liquidity Protocol. It's going to be converted to DAI using periodic trades on Balancer or Curve. Uh, and then so that will be retained by the DAO temporarily. And then they have some other assets, 1.5 million in VE-BAL, which is going to be traded OTC for fake. Tribe or Bell 1.5 ohm traded OTC with for Fae Tribe or Die, and then there's some liquidity Fox tokens and index tokens, which I mean very small amounts, uh, and then. So after a, a lot of that staked Ether gets distributed to the tribe token holders, you have phase two, which is the fuse hack repayments, which of the remaining assets in the org, the, any of the assets that could be converted to die, that 22,000 Ether, uh, and then also that 18.7 million LUSD, uh, that will be used to uh, whatever is left will be paid back to the fuse hackers. Uh, and then there's the final repayment, which all Fae becomes wrapped DAI. So if you are a Faye holder, you basically become a DAI holder. Tribe becomes redeemable for a pro-rata claim on all the remaining assets after setting aside DAI for backing Fae. Um, and then uh, that's basically it. Well, uh, there, what
0: kind of sucks about this is it feels like it's like, like um, at least with BlockFi, depositors mm-hmm. didn't get a haircut, right? Yeah. Equity holders got a haircut. And it seems like in this case, the people who are depositing into Mm -hmm. Rari in this case, which was later merged into Faye, which is like what you're talking about, like Faye and tribe is where this is all coming from. Um, They are not getting protected. They're getting protected
1: after all of the tribe equity holders. Yeah, the, the tribe equity holders are like, I choose to pay myself. Yes, and, <laughs> and not the hack victims. <laughs> oh,
0: and there was a governance proposal that said that we should we should help pay the, hack the hack victims, victims but it's not. Oh, that, that one doesn't count. No, yeah. that was a f- that was a fake one. So this, it's just. I I'm I'm with Sam. This is just kind of sh- look. I don't know all of the details of this, mm-hmm. so I, I hazard to to talk too much about it. But right. in general, this doesn't strike me as a a good a good thing or a good precedent to hit or 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 the right thing. This goes back to our episode with Hasu is, um, right investor, investor rights. protection rights yeah. kind of mm-hmm. suck and so do depositor uh rights right. and so it's very much like um uh, caveat emptor it's
1: like right. you know buyer beware when you're doing this kind of stuff this um, is something that like re- when we take this to like TradFi. <laughs> TradFi is better than DeFi on this particular scenario traditional equity uh, equity holders rights we have like, better DeFi rights. failed here because yeah. because we don't have depositors. like exactly yeah like this is something that like when we show to Gary Gensler, Gary Gensler's like, oh, this is great. This is good but for he, me. I get to right regulate this more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, right he's, on that This, piece this makes Gary Gensler right. Like, but, nice but, job, but,
0: Tribe. He's wrong because he wants to fix it the Gary Gensler way, well, which yes, is like yes. make these things right. all produce. gives him more like, ammo. Yeah. Yeah. There's also uh, it gives him more ammo for, for sure. But so. I'm disappointed with that. I, like, not with the wind down and them choosing to quit, but I'm disappointed yeah. with them not helping the Fuse uh, hack repayments. But I'm more disappointed, Macrally, in like the class of 2021, David right. DeFi builders. I'm not throwing everyone under this bus, right. but there've been a lot of them, and there've been a lot of DeFi builders that I feel like have abandoned their projects, mm-hmm. yeah. just like orphaned them. Things right. got a little tough. Right, it's the, like, the going got tough and they folded, yeah. I feel a little bit like um, De- DeFi Grandpa over here saying, back in my day, Rune Christensen <laughs> and Maker Dow didn't quit when the going got tough. But that's a bit how I feel. And yeah, I just want to say, rather than calling out some of the DeFi projects that did abandon and founders that did abandon their projects, mm-hmm. um, I just want to give a shout out to all the DeFi founders that didn't. Yeah. Even when the going got tough. And there are a lot of them. I yeah. created a thread where um, the community kind of tagged a lot of people here. And that gave me some hope that, you know what, a lot of DeFi founders stayed with their projects, did not choose to abandon. I mean, ultimately, I don't understand why DeFi founders are taking this shortcut, reputational shortcut, when right. we we're at the very first stages of a multi-decade industry, of like, you're gonna abandon your project. Like, People are gonna remember that. I know I'm gonna remember. Right. Bankless community will remember. And uh, it, it might make it a little bit hard to, to re-enter after you've done yeah. something like this.
1: That's yeah. all I'll say. DeFi Gramp's yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. the, the sad part is is that Ether is such a, like a lucratively bullish asset that if you exit into Ether, you still get so much upside. So I yeah. think that's where a large amount of the incentive comes from. It's like, oh, if I like abandon my project, I'll have enough Ether to stake for life. It's the same story,
0: David. We saw this in the ICOs, right? Yeah. A whole bunch right. of them just kind of did an ICO and they half their project. But then they kept all the ETH, right? Yeah. But also I would say, yeah,
1: it's people that like take money too early, right? That's another problem of DeFi is like we fund people with way too much money way too soon. And they're like, wait, but I just made all the money. Like what? (laughs) That was (laughs) the point. (laughs) I'm done here. (laughs) I know. Uh, we're got to
0: work on that for sure. Uh, David, next thing though, is the BitBoy story. Okay. So I don't watch BitBoy at all. None like I've I. never seen I've never seen a Bitboy. I've heard of him by reputation. So let me just yes, say that. Could you negative, give some people yeah. some context for who who BitBoy is? I get the sense that there is a whole other world of uh crypto YouTube out there. We are barely YouTubers, by the way. If you're listening, right. if you're watching this on we're, YouTube, we're, we're, we are God podcasters bless you.
1: who put <laughs> our stuff on YouTube. We try our
0: best, all right? But like <laughs> we're not YouTube optimized yet. Although right. we're getting better, right, David? Yeah, we, we got are some getting stuff better. There. Yeah, we but we anyway, BitBoy was purely crypto youtube and what what
1: was he all about what
0: was his platform
1: Yeah, he's, I mean, he's got an insane following. I think he's got something like uh, over a million followers. Uh, I called him in, well, I participated in some of this drama. I commented on a Dejan Spartan sweet thread calling him like the uh, Alex Jones of crypto. And maybe we could get the editors to actually play that clip just a small like showcase of who he is. He's got this insane setup, uh, like just like a a media studio office thing, kind of like how Alex Jones does and then makes some just like very ridiculous like statements about crypto like the one we're about to play right here i want to be very clear on this the u.s government is 100 percent behind the crash of usd anyways very bombastic dude uh and also is totally and completely known for just like dumping on his followers that's the i don't what do watch you mean, him dumping on his followers uh, signing deals, receiving tokens, pumping the tokens, and then selling the tokens. Like wow. that's just the, the general <laughs> pattern, right? Okay. And like, I, I don't know this because I watch him personally. I know this because that's what everyone in my sphere like comments on. And so it's to the point of like, why would I ever go watch BitBoy? Like, uh, uh, yeah. Um, anyways, so that, that's the start of the story. So here is a thread from a, a Twitter handle tagged Atozy, A-T-O-Z-Y, and he puts out this uh, thread that says, I wish I didn't have to make this thread, but I'm being sued by YouTuber BitBoyCrypto for a video I made roughly nine months ago, covering how he promoted a project named PAMP. (laughs) P-A-M-P. It's called PAMP. Yeah. Last night, a third server, like somebody who, like, uh, I I listened to this guy's YouTube video. Three. uh, He got served three different times, um, and the third person finally actually showed up with a real lawsuit. Wow. And and according to the. At his house, yeah, Uh uh-huh. The first two were just like drafts of lawsuits. The third one was the actual lawsuit. And so this crypto YouTuber, he made this YouTube video about BitBoy. It was like a journalist, like, yo, this guy dumps on his followers. He like promotes, makes promotions. Uh, and then these tokens rug. And so like this whole PAMP token like pumped and then it went to zero uh, after like BitBoy covered it. And I think this is just like one of many, many, many things that BitBoy has covered. Uh, and so Ben Armstrong, AKA BitBoy, says Erling Mensheng Jr., which is a Tozi, posted a video on YouTube entitled this YouTuber scams his fans, BitBoy Crypto, in November, 2021. I'm reading out the details of the, the BitBoy filed lawsuit right now. The lawsuit claims a laundry list of offenses in that video, including defamation, infliction of emotional distress, torturous interference with business relations or potential business uh, or potential business relations, violation of the Uniform Deceptive Practices Act and violation of the Fair Business Practices Act. Uh, and so this is BitBoy suing Atosi for these things. And also Atosi did was like, like talk about how BitBoy pumped this token and then it and then dumped the token and the token went to zero. And so Which uh, you can see on chain. You can see it all. It's back it's totally by data. Totally audited. It's not speculation. Uh, and so this Atozi person, he's not like he's just such a normal YouTuber, so he doesn't have the money to fight this lawsuit. So this is BitBoy who makes bajillions of dollars pumping and dumping tokens, again, allegedly. I'm pretty sure it's true though. Um, Uh-oh. Uh, David's Oh, Somebody I'm not gonna be get, showing I'm up get, at I'm, our I'm, house. I'm, now. Yeah, you're <laughs> yeah, gonna see. You're gonna see a GoFundMe for another BitBoy uh, lawsuit. <laughs> Anyways, BitBoy coming in hard with like paying a ton of lawyers to like slam this guy with a bunch of lawsuits that he can't afford. So this crypto YouTuber Atosi uh, spins up this GoFundMe with a fifty thousand go- uh, dollar goal to defend him from BitBoy's lawsuit. And this is when it gets into crypto Twitter. And crypto Twitter doesn't like BitBoy. No one likes BitBoy except for YouTubers or YouTube consumers who probably don't know better. And so crypto condom. Uh, excuse the name, this is actually like a crypto community member who's pretty good. Um, <laughs> says, I will be donating to Atozi's legal fees related to Bitboy's lawsuit. If you have the means, I encourage everyone else to donate too. Scammers like Bitboy are a net negative to the space and should not be supported. If we don't police ourselves, no one else will. And so, this is when this GoFundMe starts to actually gain some traction. And then, coming up next, Kobe uh, tweets out, uh, I'll send $100,000 later or something when at PC. And then that gets 8,000 likes. Uh, and then Toby follows up a little bit later and says, sent. Uh, and yes, Kobe actually did send $100,000 to this, uh, this uh, crypto, uh, non-crypto YouTuber, normal crypto YouTubers, just like Ethereum address. I'm assuming Ethereum address. Uh, and so what happens next, what happens next, Ryan, is that BitBoy drops the lawsuit. Uh, wow. And so this is Autism Capital saying, hearing BitBoy succumb to social pressure and announce he's dropping the lawsuit. Can anyone verify? And then the next tweet says, yes, indeed. Uh, and so here's the clip that BitBoy said where he's on his own like YouTube channel saying, I'm dropping the lawsuit. Okay, where
0: we're at is, at this point, it has become public. It's become uh, an absolute fuck. We know Kobe gave him $100,000. So uh, you know, hopefully that money will go to good use. Uh,
1: but yeah, so we are gonna drop lawsuit 100%. And uh, I'm sorry this became public. I'm s- Ryan, you want to know my favorite quote from this little clip here? Yeah, give it to me. Where BitBoy says, I'm sorry this became public, is what he says. <laughs> I'm sorry I was found out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I, fa- I was found out to do frivolous lawsuits to allow myself to continue to dump on my followers. Okay, but... Uh, mm, yeah. David, here's one thing that doesn't connect to
0: me. This feels like, um, you know, victims keep going back to their abuser. Why <sighs> does this Why does this person have YouTube... Uh, views why does he have followers why do why do people like why do people do subject themselves mm-hmm.
1: to this so, like, look, look at the production value of this, like, of BipWhat, right? Like, he, fantastic production value. No wonder he has a million views. He's optimized the YouTube algorithm. He's played the game. He's got his ads everywhere. He's got his, like, topics that he's run down. And, like, this kind of goes back to the heart of, of, like, crypto, I think, where, like, there are some projects that, like, you have these open source developers that just care about code, they don't know how to market. And then you have, other projects which market themselves to the very end, and mm. that's the product, and they forget about the actual code development. This is the same thing. This is Bitboy, hyper marketing optimized, knows crypto to enough extent to when people are like, oh, like I would like to know about crypto, I'll go to the most number one followed crypto YouTube channel because mm. clearly that's the best channel, uh, and then they listen to Bitboy Crypto, who's like, Pamp Token is going to Pamp, it's in the name, <laughs> and then and then he's paid a promotion for that, and then Token goes to zero, uh, and he makes a bunch of money and then wash and repeat because people like people these days have amnesia they forget everything i would say why do people go back to like their abusive relationship is because people have amnesia ryan they forget
0: yeah i've you know once uh commented that that crypto twitter crypto in general has the the memory of the Mm -hmm. goldfish you know like we just like constantly forget things but is this also a lesson that if bankless ever gets if we ever get our stuff together and we increase our production value people better like be scared. <laughs> <Like>.
1: <laughs> okay, well, we do plan on increasing our YouTube production value. <laughs> David's like, I'm, he's I'm looking pl- back <laughs> at his studio that he's just built and he's like, uh-oh. Right <laughs> what did right I, I just now. say?
0: <laughs> oh, I think we- I think we, you can do both. It just yes, takes longer. Yeah.
1: You just it, gotta it longer, right? not take yeah. shortcuts. Don't yeah. take shortcuts. Yeah. Plus like the bankless community is intelligent. If we ever started like pumping and dumping tokens, it would, it would, would, be, it would be over so fast. It yeah. wouldn't even take a half a second to like oh like bankless went evil. They wouldn't they wouldn't allow us to do that. Yeah. They wouldn't let yes. us do that. No. We would go uh, to zero so fast.
0: Man, what a story though. That's crazy. Uh, oh,
1: my favorite my favorite part oh, about this yeah uh, so so uh, since they dropped the lawsuit like well uh they made a Tozi made two hundred thousand dollars and he says once i have it confirmed it's officially pulled i will be refunding everyone who donated uh and then kobe says uh use my money my hundred thousand dollars to pay for the gas fees for a lot of people the individual donators uh but then also kobe follows up and says keep some for a vacation to smiley face oh, that's kobe, awesome. Kobe. Good job. Well done. Hey, look, well done. look.
0: Both of these lessons, right? It's like the last lesson is like not take don't take shortcuts. This lesson is right. don't take shortcuts. Also, I love this this concept of we can also police ourselves at the social layer yeah. too. We need yeah. to do much more of that in crypto mm-hmm. and call these things out. So, good job. Uh, mm-hmm. a, a tozy YouTuber. Man, tozy, I am so yeah. not connected with uh, crypto YouTube though. This, yeah. this just shows me that I'm just living in a different world. David, yeah. what what
1: do we got coming up next? Oh my God, so much. Okay, uh, merge updates. We got some merge updates for y'all, of course. Uniswap is getting a brain. Uh, Cue that part uh, of the Wizard uh, Wizard of Oz where the scarecrow says, if I only had a brain. Uh, There's a meme on that later. Between Nike and Adidas made $200 million in total NFT revenue, but one of them made a lot more than the other. So we'll get into which one made which one won the NFT game in 2021, all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Arbitrum is an Ethereum Layer 2 scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi and NFTs. Some of the coolest new NFT collections have chosen Arbitrum as their home, while DeFi protocols continue to see increased liquidity and usage. You can now bridge straight into Arbitrum for more than 10 different exchanges, including Binance, FTX, Huobi, and Crypto.com. Once on Arbitrum, you'll enjoy fast transactions with cheap fees, allowing you to explore new frontiers of the crypto universe. New to Arbitrum, for a limited time, you can get Arbitrum NFTs designed by the famous artists Ratwell and Sugoi for joining the arbitrum odyssey the odyssey is an eight week long event where you complete on-chain activities and receive a free nft as a reward find out more by visiting the discord at discord.gg arbitrum you can also bridge your assets to arbitrum at bridge.arbitrum.io and access all of arbitrum's apps at portal.arbitrum.one in order to experience defi and nfts the way it was always meant to be fast cheap secure and friction free ZK Sync is an Ethereum layer two network that is pushing the frontier of high performance blockchains that don't compromise on security or decentralization. ZK Sync has combined the power of zero knowledge rollups in the Ethereum virtual machine, enabling developers to build the greatest web three projects possible, ones we haven't even seen yet. Crypto needs its killer applications to onboard the world, but crypto killer apps need ZK Sync as a platform to build on first. It's generally accepted that zero knowledge rollups are the conclusion of crypto blockchain scaling technology. And ZK Sync is leading the charge into the final frontier of crypto economics. So if you're a developer who wants to build your app on a future-proof foundation, which gives your users the best UX possible, check out ZK Sync's website at zksync.io. And yes, there's also going to be a token, so give them a follow on Twitter too, at zkSync. All
0: right, guys, we are back. Another merge update. This is a date. Now it's an official date, not just a tweet on Twitter. It's a tweet from Tim Bako, the Ethereum uh, Foundation. So Tim Bako says, Ethereum's transition to proof of stake is happening. Client releases are out. Upgrade your, update your node. That's a thing you have to do if you're running a node, by mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. Um, first part of the merge, Bellatrix happens on September 6th. And then the full transition ETA, September 15th. Not even a date range. Not even the 15th, to the 16th. September 15th. Mark your calendar. David, is that the official date? September fifteenth. Yeah,
1: that is well, uh, no, because it's still the, it's a, still an official TTD number, total terminal difficulty. Uh, so there is no official date that TTD number can hop around, but it's an official TTD number which says the same thing. There's no there's no new TTD number. The only thing that's new this week is that we have new client software that instantiates that TTD number into the clients, and so as soon as you update your clients. That TTD number goes into your client and then it's hands off from there. That The Bellatrix activates and then later is the merge. The current estimated merge time right now is 6.20 a.m. Eastern time. Thursday, September 15th. This number has been hopping around. Uh, it used to be like 8 a.m. Uh, then it hopped around to like 4 a.m. And now it's, now it's at 6.20 a.m. But it's looking like Thursday, early morning, Eastern time. Uh, Pacific specific people and also Eastern people, you're probably gonna be in bed. Uh, but this number will continue to hop around. But you know, zeroing in on Thursday morning, September 15th.
0: And this link in the show notes is a script that actually calculates it based on the current hash rate. So you can always get the update uh, mm-hmm. on that, even though you know Bankless is going to update you on a weekly basis. Yeah, we're going to talk about everything that's going to happen <laughs> until it actually happens mm-hmm. because, as Dune Analytics says, the merge is coming. Here are the top dashboards to follow the action. Uh, anything here we should pick out? I guess maybe a, a link for people and a resource mm-hmm. for people. If they want to follow the merge, there are a ton of dashboards from Dune yeah. Analytics where they can see the intricate details of all of the numbers that make up the merge. So uh, anything here to point out,
1: David? Yeah, they, all six of these dashboards are fantastic. It's just a nice little command station to sing the merge. I uh, don't really have any one particular that's favorite, but th- just as a resource, these are available to you.
0: You know, the bigger question I think is there was this uh, rag of a publication, a te- a, you know, a terrible uh, newsletter, a terrible, terrible newsletter um, that published an article. Said, Why would you the-
1: ever publish
0: this title of a, of a is newsletter? the merge un- overhyped?
1: Who published this? It?
0: <laughs> Who for people this? who are not seeing on the, on the on youtube this is bankless okay this is a bankless <laughs> article we had our friend uh jordy alexander do you mm-hmm. remember jordy alexander so he came yeah. at a time when everyone was uh just
1: so frothy bullish about and, Terra and luna. luna and he took the bear case the, bo- the very difficult at the time difficult position to take the bear case for Terra luna at its peak
0: when yeah. was this? April? Did we yeah. do this March? Uh-huh. April? Yeah, Something like yeah. this? Uh-huh. Like about uh, a month before the Terra collapse, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. And Jordi took the position that, like, I know everyone's bullish on this thing, but there are a few tail risk events you really should look at. <laughs> and I think they're fairly high probability. A month later, it's, it's completely right. beat up. And by the way, a whole bunch, most people, a lot of people coming out of that debate thought Jordi lost the debate.
1: Yes, they, they were more helped by like, oh, the boat. Yeah, Jose, the other guy, just absolutely sweep the floor with him. But then if wow. you go back to the YouTube comments, they're all like, "Oh, like now?" Oh, really? Yeah, people well, refresh people, like, their if, comments. If you if you see the uh, uh, the char- the chart of v- viewers on that video, you know yes. it's the normal curve. And then Tara collapses, and it gets another huge bump because people Gosh, went back and watched guys, it. And guys. so, like, the four-month-old YouTube comments are, like, Jordy got railed by Jose. And then the three-month-old YouTube comments are, like, <laughs> oh, Jordy was right. Oh, Jordy got it right.
0: Wow, Jordy was right. <laughs> but... Here's this case, we asked Jordy to write an uh, ETH um, Bear article for us, uh-huh. ETH Merge Bear article, because David and I couldn't bring ourselves to write that, couldn't, all right? because we don't actually believe it, <laughs> but uh, fantastic article, and I think mm-hmm. like, any time we have a thesis on something or we're bullish on something, we'd love to get kind of the the counter to that, or mm-hmm. the, um, the steel man case for why not, and I think Jordy puts in a fantastic steel man case. So a few things, by the way, this is full of uh, fantastic uh, memes, memes. throughout memes, the article. Yeah. But I, let me try to summarize some of his uh, high-level takes and get your reaction to this, David, as an ETH bull, right? So one thing he says is that, yeah, there's these three dragons to the triple uh, to the ETH merge bullishness. One is re, uh, reduced issuance. He says, yep, I understand that. That's pretty bullish. I get it. The second is EIP1559, burn. And the third is locked staked ETH, okay? So he's good with the reduced issuance, but mm-hmm. he says burn has been down pretty bad, OK, like look at burn over time. So right. it's because block space is in much lower demand than it was during DeFi summer and then later NFT, like the whole NFT boom. And then right. if you look at like this past summer, David, uh, we're not even deflationary. No, at we this not point.
1: deflationary. And Big so he,
0: what's what's with your ultrasound money, merge money if it's not even deflationary, that's what Jordy's saying. And there's not an indication, he says, that a positive catalyst ahead that will actually bring this block space demand back. Maybe it goes to alternative layer ones, maybe it goes to layer twos that don't consume as much uh, block space revenue, so there's that. And then he also uh, chips into the ETH staking rate, and he says it's actually a lot lower than a lot of people are saying. So he calculates the ETH staking rate at steady state in like 2023 to be closer to like one to two percent uh Oof. yield. Oof. So you stay in, stake in your real ETH.
1: terms, in real terms is what he's saying. Yeah. In
0: real terms, yes. Yeah. You stake your ETH and maybe you're getting like three or four percent, but then mm-hmm. you have to subtract the, the uh, issuance, the, the issuance yeah. of ETH, mm-hmm. which is maybe you know one and a half percent. So you're left with like, you know, one uh to two percent right. real yield. And he's like, no one's gonna be super excited about that. And he's mm-hmm. calculating this based on a whole bunch of more people will stake. Right, and so the the yield goes down, and so maybe you'll get like you know twenty to thirty million ETH staked in the network, and I can't remember what it is right now, David, but it's like it's like fifteen million ETH. I I can't even remember. I shouldn't even yeah. say that, but uh, it's a lot less now. And so these are some of his um his his bare thesis cases for why the wor- merge won't really matter. What was your take when you read the the high level of this article?
1: My my high level article was that Jordy is making an argument against an outdated bull case, bull, like outdated stats. And so he's taking like May, 2021 or November, 2021 gas price gas markets. And he's making the, his argument that it's not bullish against that. And I mean, we, we have since then, like, <laughs> Look at this. Ju- <laughs> Jesus. Sorry to the podcast listeners who don't see this. I'm not going to explain this one. Um, and so he, he's making like, yes, there was previously more bullish parts of the Ethereum economy. Gas prices used to be a lot higher. Therefore, the Ethereum mer- burn used to be a lot more. And it's no longer the case. And I mean, we, since then, we've adjusted the numbers, the yield numbers. Like If we had... May 2021 gas prices, like we were t- looking at like a 15% yield on staking ether. Uh, and like we used to say that on the weekly rollup because that used to be the data, but that is no longer the data. And now we've adjusted down to where it is now at like 5.2% without MEV and maybe perhaps maybe six plus percent with MEV. Um, but Jordi is taking the a frame, a, a slice of data that was in the bull market. Um, and now, but also, uh, and so that, that's the gas market thing. Now, I will say that the ETH supply reduction is was always going to be more significant than the ether burn. Simply just like when you compare those things, there's less ether burn, uh, less ether issued. That's the than main thing bulls are bullish on. how yes, it's the, su- the supply reduction, right. And so even at these, like, even if you take the bear- most bearish gas fees, which is at like seven or 8%, that goes from uh, 0.43% ether issuance down to 0.2 percent, so the burn just lowers it by a measly 0.2 percent, but it's cutting the issuance down by 50 percent because it already is so low, and so like that's still the bull case is still strong. And if you go and compare it to Bitcoin issuance at like 1.5 percent or Solana issuance and Avalanche issuance at like six and seven percent, like. It's still fundamentally bullish. It's just not ultra, uber, mega bullish that it would have been if we had merged during like DeFi summer, for example. Did so that's the gas market thing.
0: Did you see this argument too? Yes. It's
1: like, you know, one side, staked
0: ETH will be locked off the market. Yeah, you're super happy about right. this. Mm-hmm. But then you realize the unlock will hang over us for over a right. year. So this right. is because everyone is essentially depositing if they're staking and it's it's one way. But right. then there will be this big unlocking event right. maybe a year from now. And mm-hmm. all of that you know, 15, 20, 30 million worth of ETH is suddenly unlocked. And his argument is the market's going to price that in ahead of time right. too. And that makes the, the case less uh, bullish and maybe bearish.
1: Sure. The market will price it in, but we need to Make sure, like, are all the unlockers going to be sellers? Because I don't think necessarily so. Like, typically we use this word unlock or uh, like invest, like investing unlocks for like angel investors or seed investors that got in at valuations one tenth or one one hundredth, and so of the supply of the asset. So like, of course they're going to sell. It doesn't matter what price it's at; they're going to sell because they're up so much. That's not the case with ether. Like the average ether deposit price I think is like 700 or $800. So like the average person is up a two X. And so like, yeah, maybe, uh, it's obviously some people have had their stuff like illiquid for so long that they're gonna sell, but I, I don't really think it's gonna turn this into the systemic st- sell event. When the APYs go up too, by the way, up from 4% up to like 5 6 maybe 7% if MEV is really strong. Uh, I don't really think they're like, we use this term unlocked to be like, oh, investors unlocks are totally going to dump. That's not true with Ether stakers. Ether stakers are fundamentally bullish. So that's the whole point of proof of stake is that you reward ether holders who want to be long-term holders. And so the people that stake their ether back when ether price was like 300 to $700, they're the people who are like, yeah, I'm fine with having my ether be a liquid for two years, three years, an unknown amount of time. They're fundamentally the most bullish Ether owners there are because they take the illiquidity of it and they don't care about that, so they're not likely to be sellers. So I don't really think it's fair to say that like all of these. Finally, we get this big unlocking and everyone runs for the exit so they can dump their tokens. I don't see that happening.
0: Well, anyway, I think we could have an entire episode. Oh on wait, this. no, I'm not done.
1: We got one more. You're point. not done. We got, we got oh, one more okay. point. And one so his point. last his last argument is that the yields go down to a super low amount. Uh, can you go to that part in the in the articles that like? uh, the, the, if we, if we have something like, uh, 30,000 ether staked and Ryan, Ryan, I pulled this up right now. There's 14,000 ether staked. If we get something like 30,000 ether staked, the issuance of Ethereum goes up because as more people stake, the more ether is issued to reward those people, the yield, the per validator yield goes down, but total ether issuance goes up. And so that's his argument that like, well, we have increasing actual ether inflation and decreasing yields for stakers. Uh, and so the yields are actually going to be way lower than people expect. But he's missing the part that the way to get to like 30,000 plus Ether staked is 16,000 million Ether comes off the market and begins staking. Wait, and so 16, like, 16 million Ether. 16 million Ether comes off the market yes. and begins staking. And so he skipped over the bullish part of that, <laughs> right. which is that a bunch of Ether gets locked up. Yeah. So you can't forget that bull side. And that is my complete Rebuttal of the uh, bear case for the merge. It's not complete. Come on.
0: You know, it's sounding like David wants to get on a podcast with uh, Jordy and really hash this out and have a debate. But I also remember what happened to the last guy who did that.
1: <laughs> so well, maybe Brian, we'll keep this the last in an guy article was defending
0: Terra and I'm defending <laughs> Ethereum. <laughs> I do think if there's demand in Bankless Nation, if you guys are excited about this, uh, let us know. Maybe we'll have a Hal Press plus David mm-hmm. plus Jordy plus another uh, bear debate on this. Uh, maybe we'll get checkmated scene or something. Uh, Anyway, a lot of discussion about this. And I think it's uh, it's really fun to look at both sides of the argument. David, let's get to this. Uh, Uniswap has a brain. That's what you've been saying mm-hmm. in the
1: tease to this. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by this? How's Uniswap getting a brain? Uniswap Uni Governance voted overwhelmingly at 86 million to 770, so I call it 99.9% yes, to create the Uniswap Foundation. We've talked about this, the precursors for this, there was a governance proposal, and then also a sentiment check, but now a formal vote, token snapshot vote, has gone through overwhelmingly in support of creating the Uniswap Foundation. So what, what does this mean? What are the details of this? Um, the, the, The blog post says there is work to do to help Uniswap reach its full potential. The governance process has too much friction. The ecosystem is too difficult to navigate and the UGP Uniswap governance process in its current form is not able to fund the most ambitious and impactful projects. We want to change that. Today we are excited to propose the creation of the Uniswap Foundation, which has the submission to support the decentralized growth and sustainability of the Uniswap protocol and its supporting ecosystem and community. Today we are thrilled to propose the creation of the Uniswap Foundation. And then some details, scope, team, budget, and governance participation. Scope, the UF, the first foundation of a major protocol to go through the community governance uh, process, will support the protocol's decentralized growth, reinvigorate governance, and serve as a protocol advocate. The team behind this is going to be Devin Walsh, who will serve as executive director, and Ken Eng, who will serve as head of operations. They also have a team of 12 behind them. They've got some budget requests as well. $14 million of operating budget to cover a team for three years, and $60 million expanded Uniswap grants program budget to cover three plus years. So they are requesting a total of $74 million from the Uniswap DAO, which will be broken up into two disbursements, a first disbursement of $20 million. and lastly, in governance participation also 2.5 million UNI to participate in governance primarily through delegation through usage of a new smart contract primitive called the franchiser, uh, and this UNI will be revocable by the DAO at any time and cannot be used for any purposes outside of governance. And so Uniswap getting a foundation, nice. Okay, so uh, one question I have on that, David, is the 74
0: million dollars that's that's going to to fund um, the the Uniswap uh, foundation, where is that coming from? I would imagine it's got to be like UNI, uni token uh, sales at some level from the Dow maybe.
1: Yeah. If not already, then future sales. I don't know. I don't know.
0: That's, uh, one interesting thing to check into, but like, am I also the understanding that? So we have, we have three pieces here. We have the protocol, mm. right? Uniswap itself, which is not a legal entity or anything else. It's smart contract code. And then we have Uniswap labs, which is the thing Hayden and team are doing? That is venture backed. That is continuing to to buy companies and, and create tools for the Uniswap ecosystem. And then now we also have this Uniswap Foundation, and their job will be to kind of steward the protocol itself a bit more, uh, and uh, I guess grow it. Is that is that the model
1: here? Yes, yeah, exactly right. And I've looked into the governance proposal. It's all coming out of the Uni token. Yes. Uh, so this is all funded by the Uni token. Mm-hmm. So this will uh, create
0: some sell pressure, I think, in Uni in the short run. Uh, Now they're Mm -hmm. doing this in chunks, like first uh, distribution of 20 million and then kind of the remaining. But also, Mm -hmm. um, you could say, bullish on Uniswap getting a brain. Because yes, that's the, that's the bullish, do that's the, yeah,
1: don't, who cares about $20 million of sales pressure? That's a blip. Uni- uni token is actually pretty liquid. The point is, is that Uniswap can be just more organized. If you listen to our podcast episode with Hazu, these DAOs need direction and centralization. Centralization is not a bad word, uh, and the foundation can do this. Um, in addition to the two, uh, to uh, Ken Eng and Devin Walsh, we also have some advisors, Jesse Walden from Variant, Julia Rosenberg from, Oaken, uh, from Orca Protocol, Alexa. Galba, Galba from Open uh, and Hart Lamber from UMA. Um, and then they also have already talked about some proposals that they're trying to get done, which is um, building Uniswap in the Cairo language for StarkNet uh, mm. and other things that like I think the Uniswap without a brain just might not have been able to get done. Uh, So I think that is the reason why we should be bullish here is that, you know, execution, execution matters.
0: And if you're curious to why it doesn't have a brain, why Uniswap Labs is not necessarily Mm -hmm. that full brain, I think the Hasu podcast is the answer to your question. But uh, Mm -hmm. here's a nice meme, the scarecrow. (laughs) Yeah. From scarecrow from uh, Wizard of the Oz. Of There's Oz. that
1: one song where the scarecrow's got, if I had only a had a brain. But <laughs> this one's if I only had a foundation. This is every DAO, by the way, dancing around yeah. like a scarecrow right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> uh, Block- okay, this is
0: cool. This is a tweet from Blockworks, but um, did you know, David, this is a, mm-hmm. another chart from Dune Analytics. Uh, Nike and Adidas had NFTs last year. Nike revenue was $185 million. Damn. Adidas was... 11 Damn. million, but in total, like so, Nike absolutely swamped the floor with Adidas. But right. think about how much money that is for Nike from NFTs. What do you think the cost of these NFTs were? Very little. 3 million? Uh, and Ryan, Five Ryan, million? I, bet you, I bet you the biggest cost was legal. 10 million? Yeah, like, <laughs> but think about these profit margins. So right. if you think that large corporations are just going to Pass, pass this by. On, pass yeah, up this free kind of opportunity, money. Yeah. Uh, you don't understand. How <laughs> look at that secondary operate. trading
1: volume of Nike NFTs. One point three billion dollars of Crazy. secondary trading volume. Crazy. You I know like, they have royalties on that. Look at these other. Look at these
0: other brands too. Dolce and Gabbana are here. Tiffany's here. Gucci here. Adidas here. Budweiser here. Time Magazine here.
1: NFTs. Nice. NFTs are just a fad. Never coming back, obviously. Oh, okay. So look at that data. There's two columns. There primary primary sales revenue, $93 million for Nike, Mm -hmm. $92 million in royalties off of that secondary volume. Crazy. crazy. That's crazy.
0: Yeah. More companies are going to join this and um, NFT market will be back, I'm sure. Uh, But in the short run... We are uh, seeing some resurgence in some of the other classic non-corporate NFTs. Pudgy Penguins, Pudgy
1: Penguins pump 83% <laughs> as Meta and Nansen executives join advisory board. Uh, Ryan. Uh, Meta? I s- Facebook, huh? Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> you want to hear a funny story, Ryan? Yes. You, you know, know when penguins? we were talking about how, uh, how I was moving wallets uh, from a while ago? Yes. Well, I'm, I'm also slowly doing that for my NFT wallet and just like getting rid of all these like NFTs that I thought were dead. Yes. And so I, so I sold my pudgies. Literally two days. No, you did <laughs> before David. this happened. David. You know? <laughs> oh, it was it was it was like perfectly ironic. It's like I sell these things just because like I don't really know what's happening with these things. These are just some JPEGs. I would assume they they're dead too. Yeah. And then like literally like out of nowhere, like that has the biggest resurgence of all time. It was like literally the Pico bottom. It was fantastic. It was That's great. That's why
0: you listen to Bankless for your NFT alpha every single week because uh, <laughs> Dave and I know what we're doing.
1: We, we know yeah we know what we're doing with the JPEGs.
0: Do you know, we do know a little bit about DeFi and this is kind mm-hmm. of a blend of DeFi plus NFTs, this thing called mm-hmm. Ben Dow, which yeah. is basically like, a, I think of it as maker. It's like, um, it's like collateralized loans backed yeah. by NFTs. Mm-hmm. So, but there was kind of a crisis last week with Dow. What happened?
1: Yeah. So ben, Dow NFT liquidity protocol, of course, uh, you can put your NFTs into Dow and borrow ETH against them. Uh, some of the top NFT profile uh, collections in there, Azuki's, Board Ape Yacht Clubs, Clone X, CryptoPunks, Doodles, Mutant Apes, and Space Doodles. Um, and the thing is, is that once upon a time, Dow had about 18,000 ETH earlier last weekend, and that went down to 15, not 15,000, 15. Yikes. 15 ETH. Uh, it's currently back up to 4,500 as of a couple of days ago. Uh, but basically, what happened was that all of the ETH you lend your ETH to Bendow, and that ETH, and then you get a yield on that ETH, very strong yield. Uh, and then that Bendow lends out that ETH to people that collateralize their NFTs. Uh, you could get an 80% yield on your and your ether because they were in such a short supply of ether because all these NFT collateralization people were borrowing were borrowed up all the ETH, they used all the bandwidth. It's like if compound utilization, if you put like a, a, if compound has like $100,000 of USDC in it, and then like there's $98,000, 98% of that USDC is utilized, they're gonna jack up the interest interest rates to incentivize people to pay back their ether. So what's going on here is they jacked up the interest rates uh, or yields Paid to Ether lenders. And they also, what they did in order to fix this, just like credit crunch they had, is that they passed emergency parameters to progressively lower the liquidation threshold from 95% to a new baseline of 70% incoming on September 20th. So it's going to go from where it is now at 95% to where it will be in the future at 75% or 70%. Basically like making liquidations more likely to happen, increasing, it's like increasing the interest rates. The Bendau if it's a if it's like a Maker Dow, they're increasing the interest rates and the, and making more strict um, capital requirements for NFT lenders, so that they can pay back their loans and get ether back into the coffers. I will say this is not a failure. This is actually quite the opposite. I would say this is a big success. It's so it was so successful that they uh, all the borrowers used up all the ether, and they just had to jack up the interest rates. The, the first time, the first time MakerDAO had to go through a cycle. Dai was trading below a peg, and they had to jack up interest rates from like 0.05 percent to almost 20 percent. I remember that. I feel that. like this is this is the same thing with Bendow. It's like, yo, everyone's using the protocol. We ran out of like credit. We need to jack up interest rates so we can like get more yeah, money. Yeah, but in the, they in the almost system.
0: they almost went insolvent in the process, right? So they 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 bent. They didn't break,
1: but like they almost. I wouldn't call it insolvency. They, went- they just had more loans outstanding than they could issue. They couldn't issue any more loans. Because um, they, they didn't have more, enough money in the in the system.
0: There is a great explanation if you want all the details from William Pister, who does know a thing or two about yes. NFTs in Metaversal, and you can read through that. Um, Ryan was thi- joking
1: earlier, we don't know shit about NFTs.
0: <laughs> I think one of the things, though, David, is uh, that Ben Dow has, has definitely learned through this episode is that NFTs are not quite as liquid as maybe yes. they thought they were. So it's one yes. thing if you're selling ETH as collateral in a mm-hmm. uh, maker-type auction because you have to liquidate It's another thing when you've got like 50 bored apes and you're trying to find buyers for those things. Of course, uh, that's what makes them non-fungible and lower liquidity profile in them right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. David, Gensler's back. What's he saying now? He wrote a op-ed in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I read part of this. Uh, It was also paywalled. Um, Maybe there are a few choice tweets or choice quotes we can take out of it but basically his take is there's no reason to treat the crypto market differently from the rest of the capital markets just because it uses a different technology the fax machine and the internet are the same thing that was my paraphrase that's not his (laughs) paraphrase that Mm -hmm. end part but like i feel like that's kind of what (laughs) he's Mm -hmm. saying right uh
1: what are your thoughts on this david he also made a video on this and basically he's saying like oh yeah like Uh, crypto markets, traditional equities markets, they're the same thing. Therefore, we should regulate both of them, Uh, which is a hot take. Uh, But also just like... You're having, you're trying to like have your cake and eat it too. It's like you're you're saying you want to regulate the crypto markets, and therefore we should treat crypto markets like the traditional equities markets. But then you're also not treating us fairly. And this is what Kobe said when he uh, when he followed up and says, "Sounds good, spot ETF then." Because if <laughs> if Kobe said, or if Gensler says, "Okay, we're going to treat the crypto markets like we treat the traditional equities markets," that means we get spot ETFs. That's what that means. And so he says like we the SEC, according to Gary Gensler, should regulate the crypto market. Just like they regulate the, the, the traditional equities markets, and if they, but then he also doesn't want to treat us regular like normally. So there's a double standard not, at play. Yeah, huge double standard. There's a double um,
0: standard, but he also doesn't understand that this is a much different technology. It's literally not like that. It's kind of like covering your eyes and plugging your ears and just kind of ignoring right. the differences between crypto mm-hmm. and the traditional equities markets, of which the differences are also
1: vast. These Massive, are two yeah. different technologies. It's fax machine versus internet. And I would definitely say that Gary Gensler is playing this narrative game. He knows they're not the same. He used to he teach he classes at MIT about blockchain. And he so he, he's trying. He's doing a PR stunt saying, hey, the SEC is going to regulate the crypto markets because they're the same as equities markets. There's no new magic I here. The SEC that, look, is going to regulate these it's, things. It's
0: just not hard. We can have a nuanced conversation about what pieces are the same because there mm-hmm. are parts that are the same yes, as the equities yeah. markets. Some and of these what things are securities. are different. Let's have a nuanced conversation about that. And let's get right. some clarity. Mark Cuban had a tweet, uh, take too. He says uh, to Gary Gons- Gensler, who says, there's no reason to treat the crypto market differently. Uh, just come in and talk to me. Mark Cuban says, come in and talk to who? Set up an appointment, right. how? You using Calendly these days? Since you understand crypto lending and finances, why don't you just publish bright line guidelines you would like to see and open it up for comments? We don't yeah. want regulation, legislation by Wall Street Journal, op-ed all we're asking for at some like just some clear expectations the same guidelines or even treat us the same and don't have a double standard right. uh very confusing here but seriously gary come on the podcast i think the best way of clearing all this up is to engage with the crypto community that's what you should be doing we'd love mm-hmm. to have you on bankless sincerely we've had hester Peirce on we've had other cftc regulators on we would love to have gary gensler on pretty friendly we could talk mm-hmm. about this uh very give friendly. us your perspective David, do you have a take here?
1: Uh, the, the, the thing is, people outside of the crypto industry have noticed Gary's lack of popularity. And so this is also an article that came out in, in Forbes, I believe, yeah, Forbes, uh, was titled Gary Gensler, colon, resign, uh, from a writer called uh, Roslyn Layton from the International Tech Policy. Not a crypto person, but like Gary Gensler is like losing the public support, like left and right. Uh, and so Gary Gensler, like, gotta win hearts and minds. And you can do that by coming on Bankless. We don't want you to resign
0: until you tell us what you really think about crypto and we can have yeah. a good conversation. First come on really Bankless. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, David, do you know mm-hmm. Coinbase's ENS integration is finally
1: out in the wild? What does this mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is in the Coinbase wallet. I'm pretty sure not the coin- normal Coinbase consumer app. But uh, if you are a Coinbase wallet user, you get an ENS name built into that wallet. So this is a user who's got debanked.cb Dot ID. Interestingly, Ryan, not dot ETH. Did that catch your attention. There's it no did. .eth yeah. name, but this? it is actually an ENS integration. And so from, from the article, it says, on a technical level, both cb.id and .eth can be used on multiple networks. Uh, we determined that most users associate .eth's IDs slow, uh, solely with Ethereum. And so Coinbase chose cb.id because they want to make it easier for people to understand that a username is not tied to Ethereum and can be used on multiple networks. Hmm. However, did you know, Ryan, that b- your, your .eth name can work in in Bitcoin wallets, and Litecoin wallets, and Dogecoin wallets? That by by run by the the ENS standard. Yes. Uh, and so Coinbase Wallet is just you know, like kind of making that a little bit more formal. CB.ID saying, hey this can work for your Ethereum address, but it can also work for your Bitcoin address. It can also work for your Dogecoin address. What's happening here?
0: Coinbase is just giving these to all of its users? Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And
1: all of its users who are using the uh, Coinbase wallet. Yeah. Users are becoming decentralized. Either claim
0: your current username or decline and get a random 20 character username. So you get your own ENS name.
1: You get one by default. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. That's cool. What is this extension though? CB.ID. What
1: is this? I think it just means identification identifier. Yeah, but I know, yeah. but like, what? How do?
0: How are they getting a dot ID? Is this like? I guess I just. Uh,
1: it, this has something to do with DNS, and this. Uh, this so part, there's
0: a DNS dot ID, like a dot yes. com, like a dot org. Yeah. Uh, so okay.
1: I, another fun fact of uh, ENS is that it's actually DNS compliant. It also operates with the traditional DNS system, uh, and I think I, I don't know the details beyond this, but like the dot ID is a DNS thing. So you can. Uh, oh, actually. Ryan, go and type in, type in this into, uh, into your URL. Ta-da! It worked. It took you back here. Took, you already had the webpage pulled up. Oh, it's okay. T- it, I was like, I was like t-
0: you just sent me back to the same site.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but it worked. Like, yeah, like, it d- worked. D- so, like, if you have, like, uh, cool. this, is, this also works. Does it, I think this also works. No, this doesn't work with DavidHoffman.eth, does it? Debank. Let me find out. No, it doesn't work with David Hoffman. But that and that's why and so the .id name is a DNS name, and so that's if why it you works have in every d- browser. That, exactly, it works in it. It works in your browser. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but that's not completely decentralized because there's still some DNS linkage there, I yeah. suppose. But whatever. Okay. Cool. I'm there. That's cool. I'm getting better. Yeah. Swell. Uh, what is swell? Are they another staking provider?
1: Yeah, staking as a service provider. Basically, Swell is a hybrid between Rocket Pool and Lido. Uh, so they have a permissioned validator set, which allows for capital efficiency, but they also have a permissionless validator set, which allows for permissionlessness. Uh, and so they uh, they had a testnet launch not too long ago, and now they have a guarded launch coming soon. Uh, and so Swell Network uh, is coming out, uh, new staking as a service protocol. We gotta love that competition.
0: That's awesome. Um, also more competition, of course, in layer two world. So just a reminder, now I think there are five days. Is it five or four days? Five, five days. Okay, five days. five days till Arbitrum releases Nitro, which is the next release of Arbitrum. And of course the TLDR is, this is faster, cheaper transactions for you if you are an Arbitrum user. Awesome to see Layer 2's upgrading as well. David, speaking of upgrades, you have an opportunity to upgrade your job right now.
1: Upgrade your job.
0: Okay? <laughs> this is our reminder to you. To what, David? Get a job in crypto because it's the most fun place to have a job. Absolutely. That's that's the rule. What could be more fun? Uh, number one jobs. I'm going to read some out for you. Uh, Masari is looking for a software engineer. Two software engineers, one for media, one for market data. DYDX, back end software engineer. Stakefish, a business partner, HR business partner. Stakefish, a back end full stack software engineer. Stakefish, front end software engineer. Stakefish, DevOps engineer. Bankless, we need somebody to run our podcast, edit the media operations. Boardroom Labs software engineer, DAO governance, Mandacor Labs manager of crypto marketing, Bankless no, needs a threador and a senior no, newsletter editor and marketing coordinator at Vertex Protocol. Lots more. Bankless Academy needs a product end- manager. You can find out more, of course. Look at all these. I'm scrolling through them for at all the, the Bankless that, job boards.
1: For all the people that watch the YouTube, I'm aware my dancing is extremely cringe. <laughs> no one's ever said anything that I've seen, David. It must be great. I can I can feel it. <laughs> all right, what's going on next? Uh, Coming up next, we got questions from The Nation. Which layer two are you most bullish on and why? And also, how can you explain the merge to normies? And also, of course, some hot takes from Crypto Twitter, the meme of the week, and also a fantastic moment of zen coming out from Gabriel Haynes. It's about BitBoy, Ryan. Uh, So all that coming up and more, right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Juno is bringing crypto-friendly banking straight into your checking account. With Juno, you can send money from your Juno checking account straight onto a Layer 2, like Polygon, Optimism, Arbitrum, and they have ZK Sync and StarkNet support on their way. You can skip the ACH wait times, you can skip all the gas fees, and go straight from your checking account to an Ethereum Layer 2 in seconds. Inside Juno, you can buy and sell crypto with $0 fees, and your Juno checking account comes with a metal MasterCard that gives you up to 5% cash back on your spending. Juno is also giving you $10 cash back on your your first crypto deposit and hundred dollars when you set up a direct deposit this ad just writes itself so go sign up at juno.finance slash bankless The Brave browser is the user-first browser for the Web3 internet, with over 60 million monthly active users. And inside the Brave browser, you'll find the Brave wallet, the secure multi-chain crypto wallet built right into the browser. Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street, more control and better privacy, but there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. And most crypto wallets are browser extensions, which can easily be spoofed. But the Brave wallet is different. No extensions are required, which gives Brave browser an extra level of security versus other wallets. Brave wallet is your secure passport for the possibilities of Web3, supports multiple chains, including Ethereum and Solana. You can even buy crypto directly inside the wallet with RAMP. And of course, you can store, send and swap your crypto assets, manage your NFTs and connect to other wallets and DeFi apps. So whether you're new to crypto or you're a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions and it's time to switch to the Brave wallet. Download Brave at brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. All right, guys, we are back
0: starting with the questions for the nation. Of course, a reminder, if you have a question for Dave and myself, follow bankless on twitter that's bankless hq on twitter we tweet it out you can reply to the thread get your question answered the first one is from two commas eth how do i summarize and explain the importance of the merge and its implications to my normie friends who ask me about it It's a good question from two commas eth explain it like i'm five david how do you explain the merge to someone who doesn't know anything about crypto doesn't
1: really care about right. crypto god these are all be so hard all right i'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it uh okay Ethereum, it's the number two blockchain behind Bitcoin. It's the thing that created DeFi and like smart contracts and allows us to do things like decentralized finance stuff, borrowing and lending, trading, et cetera. So that's the big blockchain. It's got the majority of all economic activity inside of crypto, created NFTs. It's that blockchain. It's the big blockchain. Uh, It's proof of work, which is that thing that consumes a lot of electricity, which a lot of people in the outside world don't like. Uh, And it's always been proof of work. But it's always wanted to go to this thing called proof of stake. Proof of work works by if you lie to the blockchain, you basically burn electricity for no reason. And proof of stake works that if you b- lie to the blockchain, you lose your ether. Ether, the native currency of Ethereum. How proof of stake works is that you stake your ether to the promise that you're not going to lie to the blockchain. And if you do lie to the blockchain by trying to add in a false transaction, an invalid transaction, you get your ether slashed. So it's kind of like proof of work in that you just lose money, but you lose money a lot faster and a lot more quickly and a lot more money in proof of stake. So Generally, the crypto world is like, this is just a better, more efficient way to secure a blockchain. We don't have to consume electricity. We also don't have to have uh, Bitcoin be sold because of proof of work, because of all this electricity consumption. Uh, Because there's no electricity consumption, you don't have to issue as much Ether to pay for that electricity consumption. And these stakers don't have to sell their Ether. So it makes Ether really bullish. End. How is that? Pretty good. Pretty good. I think
0: it's. I think it's hard to explain. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. Do you know, kind of what I go back to is just like buy a hundred dollars on Coinbase worth of ETH, and then ask me questions as you're curious about it. Ah. So it's just like I feel like. But what if not we're past really? That point? What if this is the question that they're asking you about? <laughs> then then I, I get them to listen to bankless and you explain your thing i think it's like that it's sometimes people aren't interested until they have some skin in the game they That's actually right. have financial i wasn't really interested uh, as interested in crypto until i owned some bitcoin and then I was like, oh, this is cool. Why are the numbers right. going up and why are they going down? <laughs> what does this all mean? Right. That's why I actually advocate, like, don't dump your entire net worth in here. But, like, if you want to get into crypto, buy some first. Do it. Step one, do it. buy some. Just do, do it. it. <laughs> Not financial advice. <laughs> um, all right. That was the first question. Let's get to the second. When the merge occurs, this is from Eddie Coates. When the merge occurs, what, if anything, will ETH holders have to do? Will it automatically convert or... Will holders need to sell out of the old and buy buy into the V two? Thanks, guys. Bankless podcast is lit. What sick sick, yeah, uh, sick.
1: rock horns? Will you have to do anything as an Ether holder? No, I'm, I'm no, so glad. If I'm so d- glad the answer so is no. The answer is no. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> you're going to have Ether in your wallet, and then you're still going to have Ether in your wallet. You will actually not notice a thing. The merge is a kind of like a software update. You know, when you plug your phone in and then it just like updates while you're sleeping. It's going to be like that. You're not going to yep. notice it. Not going to notice. And it's updates like sick. this
0: have happened many times in Ethereum's history, and you probably right. haven't noticed if you've been right. here for one of them. It'll just yeah. be like one of those. That's yeah. if everything goes well. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it should okay. go on, well, But nothing you should have to do. Last question from satkc.eth. Ask the question, which layer two scaling solution are you most bullish about and why? And he lists a few. Starknet, ZK Sync, Polygon, Scroll. Can't help but notice, David, all of these have a similar theme and they are ZK yeah. EVMs. Yep. Which layer two scaling solution are you most bullish about is the question and why?
1: I am most bullish on yes <laughs> they're uh, all, they're all great they're on. all great uh like they, okay I'll, I'll give you different reasons why you should be bullish on every single one uh starknet apparently after listening to a podcast which i'm about, about to talk in a sec this cairo co- coding language and this overall the developer support and like build, building out cairo and accepting like updates from developers has been great so the developer user experience for starknet has been just like a lot like really of adoption. Good. So developers love it. So they've Furthest been along their...
0: in, in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like, definitely their BD skills are really strong. They I think they were the first to market. So, like, uh, Starknet. Like can't can't not be bullish. Uh, ZK Sync, uh, Alex and team have been around Ethereum from the beginning. They're also doing uh, a separate um, uh, an EVM compatible strategy uh, with with their ZK roll up. They just like ex- exude the values of Ethereum, and like we've just see adoption of things that like exude the values of Ethereum. Uniswap, I would put in this category, and so like they just have like fundamental Ethereum alignment at their tailwinds. Uh, they've been around for a while, they're like friends with all the other developers in this space. Uh, they're they're just w- very well connected. Uh, and then, okay, let's go, we'll go to Polygon. Polygon also has their proof of stake chain, which is a, a, like a, not a ZK rollup, but like the most bullish thing possible, I don't know if this is possible, but if it is possible, it's really bullish, is that their current proof of stake chain just rolls into their ZK rollup. If that's possible, really, really cool. Scroll, the most bullish thing about Scroll is that it's got EVM equivalents. They're going for the very hard task of EVM equivalence which is if you can deploy your thing on the ethereum layer 1 you can also deploy your thing onto the optimism layer 2 without changing a goddamn thing and you can also deploy it to scroll which is a zk evm without changing a goddamn thing also really bullish. Super
0: strong engineering team, though it's yeah. a harder problem, right? Yes. It's like all of these have different strengths. Mm-hmm.
1: They, they all have, they're all different flavors. And so like, I like, I like many different flavors all and the they're flavors. all, bu- they're all bullish.
0: They're to all me, bullish. this question is like asking, you know, which of your kids is your favorite? I'm like, <laughs> I can't answer that question. They're all I, special. I feel, like, and they're, I feel like you can't answer that question out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Okay. I have three kids and I love them all equally. Kids, if you're listening. You guys are fantastic, all of you equally. <laughs> so are StarkNet, ZK Polygon, and Scroll. David, takes of the week. Let's get takes into it. Takes the week. Uh, first take here from you. Yeah, you want to read Read your it? own tweet. No, I'll read your tweet, okay? It's better that way. From David Hoffman, my favorite version of the future is the one where global Forex markets are traded on a unicorn theme venue. <laughs> this is Uniswap, I imagine. Yeah. You think that's real? I mean, I feel like happen? that is
1: actually the most likely version of the future, is when like global forex markets are held on uniswap and just like hayden and like his friend carl and vitalik they just like unicorns and so they made it a unicorn theme and then like you know butterfly flaps its wings and all of a sudden global forex markets are like on this uniswap traded or unicorn traded venue
0: i still contend that uh, uniswap will be the largest exchange in the world yeah. um yeah. you know sometime in the next 10 years yeah that's right i think that that's is right. undoubtedly true but yeah. we'll uh-huh. see uh, mm-hmm. and that'll be funny when it is. Also, y- you have a podcast that you want yeah. us to tune into. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't, I don't really know where to fit this into the roll-up, but here's my hot take. This podcast that I, I listened to is really, really good. Uh, this is Into the Bytecode uh, from Cena. Uh, great podcast. Very technical, um, but also does a great job of breaking it down for the listener. Uh, and so this is uh, Julian from Argent, Argent and Smart Contract Wallet, uh, and they talked about just a number of things like, uh, built why Smart Contract Wallets need to be the future, why Smart Contract Wallets and ZK rollups go really well together, uh, account abstraction and overall the developer experience of Starkware and ZK sync. Uh, and so this is where I got that take that the Starkware team is just doing a great job, uh, just like making their developers feel good. Uh, so my you know, hot take is that this was a good podcast and you should li- listen to it.
0: I I've been waiting for uh, Argent to get its legs under, uh, under itself again, because I feel like we haven't yet seen the promise of smart contract wallets. Oh God, no. And I'm no, hoping that not. later is bring that, but we like, we still haven't seen it yet. And uh, there's just such promise, such potential there. It's a little bit like um, layer twos where there's promise and potential, but we just haven't fully seen it realized. Uh, Last take here. This is a poll take, actually. I'm showing the poll results here, but let me give you the A, B, and C. Uh, This is from Eric Wall. A, option A, the merge will happen as planned in September. Vote on that if you think it will happen as planned. B, it will happen, but something big will go wrong like, Proof of work miners will refuse to mine the last block, a major client consensus split, something chaotic. That's option B. Or C, it won't happen. It'll get postponed. All right. Before I clicked uh, my answer, which is A, um, I uh, thought that basically A would be the vast majority. I mm-hmm. thought we'd get like 80 or 90%. But it right. turns out what? What are the results
1: here, David? Uh, it is A that got the most votes, um, 52% of respondents said, um, said, A, it's going to happen as planned in September without any uh, problems. Four to 15% of people said, show me the, re- the results. So 15% of people are automatically off the table. 15% of people said, beep. It will happen, but something will go wrong. And then 18% of people said it's not going to happen. It's going to get postponed. So if you add B and C together, what do you get? You get something like 33%, 34% of people think that it's either going to get postponed or go wrong. And 52% think it's going to happen fine. And like, okay, so I've accounted for a 95% success rate in my head. And this is accounting for something like um, uh, a... 66% 66% success rate. And so that discrepancy, if I'm right, means the merge is not priced in. That's my takeaway.
0: That is an interesting takeaway. It's interesting that uh, 18% think it'll be postponed. Bitcoin is dude. Big is. It's, it's already been like pushed as an update. Like It's happening. It's going to happen <laughs> at this point. You don't even really have C as an option. That's just yes. kind of like, I don't know, I guess if the world ends. Yeah, it's or, it's I I a little if, bit too late for C. Yeah, we we have the client software, and yet we have almost twenty percent of people, again in this Twitter poll. But I think it's decently representative of crypto Twitter sentiment, saying that it's not going to happen; it get postponed. Mm -hmm. And it's like we have a date, and the Mm software has been updated, and we're just waiting for that date to be activated. At this Mm -hmm. point, anyway, I do think that there's some alpha there for us. Uh, David, what are you bullish on this week, man? Oh, I am bullish
1: on you know that high value production studio that we were talking yes. about? Yes. The Bitboy studio you're the BitBoy you think The Bitboy Studio. <laughs> <laughs> well As BitBoy exits, I hope to enter, and I'm gonna turn into the new (laughs) BitBoy. Oh, I'm kidding. Um, But um, we are thinking about, not totally sure on this, but splitting the Bankless YouTube into Bankless Podcasts, which is our long-form interview formats, weekly roll-ups, Monday podcasts, live streams, the podcasts that you know and love, but then also short-form Bankless, 20-minute long, like a little bit more just like newbie-optimized content, your boy's got a teleprompter right behind the screen. I got scripts, uh, and so we're trying to make, uh, trying to expand Bankless into new audiences because there's a lot of people out there that, when they come to YouTube, they go, "Oh, BitBoy." He's got all the best information. He we shows me tokens like pop. Audience, we're, trying, we're, we're, we're trying to steal for the big audience, David. Uh, we're trying to steal the big boy audience. And instead of feeding them candy and tokens that go to zero, we junk feed food. them we junk food. We feed them the veggies. Uh, and so with uh, some junk food, so just some with some junk, junk food, food with some merge, with some merge candy. candy. Yeah, um, not high fructose corn syrup, <laughs> but you know strawberries <laughs> and raspberries. Still organic. Sweet. Organic, junk, uh, yeah, organic junk food. <laughs> Anyways, that is what I'm bullish on, Ryan. There's a Bankless Productions. Bankless Studio, something, and that's actually aside from like this uh, Joe Rogan, Lex Friedman type studio I've got behind me, which uh, it gets finalized and finished tomorrow, uh, and then we're off to the races. All right, yeah, Bankless that becomes is, Bitboy. That's going to be Bankless the, uh, becomes a Bitboy. <laughs> the new Bitboy is Bankless.
0: Wow, uh, Ryan, yeah. what are you bullish on? David, you were laughing about this before I hit record, but let me tell you why I'm bullish on the Constitution. Does <laughs> that <fact laughs> like? Here's specifically why, all right? That doesn't Mm -hmm. sound like it's uh, overly patriotic because, you know, I'm reasonably patriotic, but I'm not a super patriotic person. Um, But I'm really into, like, social protocols. And the Constitution happens to be a pretty big one and a pretty important one and a pretty good one, uh, particularly this thing called the Bill of Rights. And, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, where I got excited about it was when we were recording with Jake Travinsky. And basically the takeaway is all of the OFAC sanctions and developer getting arrested and uh, like restrictions on privacy that we're feeling right now. What's mm-hmm. super interesting is 250 years ago, the framers of the Constitution in creating the Bill of Rights already thought through these things. Right. Like we have it's these protections. It's a solved problem. It's a solved problem and it's actually enshrined in the protocol that governs our country. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes we get overly afraid of like OFAC, for example, it's like what if we do this thing and they put me in prison? Um, they're the ones doing the thing that's illegal they're the ones that are doing the thing that is against the Constitution, that's unlawful. Of course, we have to prove these cases in court over time, but like, talk about the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights freedom of speech, press, protest. This is code, all right? Mm-hmm. We have precedent, legal precedent that code is protected as a First Amendment right, just like speech is. Uh, the Fourth Amendment no unreasonable search and seizure. This is privacy. If you live in America, you have the constitutional right to privacy. Uh, number five, due process. That means the government can't come and seize your property without due process, without a court saying it's okay, without proving that you did something wrong. Okay, digital rights. Mm-hmm. If property, the government can't come and seize your ETH in the U.S. That is unconstitutional. All of these things, and I think it's um, it's a bit on the legal front. It's a little bit back to like uh, getting back to the original protocol of. The US, right? right? This is why actually I think that, you know, some people are like, um, oh, the US is too far gone. It's turned into a surveillance state, all of these things. I think that may be true over the past like, you know, 40 to 50 years. We've veered into that. But if we can have a generation of people and a group of people who take us back to our roots, right? And kind of like the actual social contract this enchi- entire country is founded upon, then we can resurface and find our digital rights once again. It wow. almost sounds like I'm running for a political platform. I'm really not, but you kind of are. Crypto is a, is a political movement, isn't it? Yeah. And I want to yeah. make sure that we protect these things. Uh, and I am into fighting the fight in the U.S. because I think this is a decent place to fight the fight for digital fe- freedom and for cryptocurrency, uh, because it's like baked into the social contract, baked into the narrative mm-hmm. of the U.S. So why not do it here? Right. Uh, and that's what I intend to do more and more. Of course it's going to be the Jake Travinsky's of the world and the coin centers of the world doing it but right. like we're going to help through our platform and education to continue that fight.
1: Uh, Ryan is a uh, bullish on the Bill of Rights. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> on to lighter matters. How do David. I how do I get exposure to that? Okay, uh, we're going to you, buy the Bill buy of Rights. Before the we're, going to, we're going to start <laughs> a- <laughs> Didn't we try that? Didn't we try to No, no that we tried to buy the Constitution. That All right. What are we looking at? Me the week <laughs> Uh, meme of the week. Uh, we have a guy uh, doing like the pray squat, and he's looking at one of those like, uh, what do you call those? The, the, uh, a stack of rocks that are all balanced on each other. And we have like Vitalik and inflation, and then on top of that is a recession. And on top of that is a Putin and a Fed pivot. bounce on top of that is a stock pump. bounce on top of that is SBF. Arthur Hayes' medium posts, so the ETH Foundation not selling. DJen Spartan bullish tweets, Jump Capital not selling, and then the ETH merge pump. And we are praying that the aligned rocks here allow us to have a bull market. These rocks um, are built like a Jenga castle too. Yeah, it does yeah. not look good. <laughs> a lot of things have to go right good. in order for the
0: ETH merge uh-huh. pump to happen. Is what this uh-huh. meme is communicating. Yeah,
1: that's right. So there you go,
0: David. What are people in in tune in store for for the uh, the moment of Zen if they're oh, watching on YouTube? Yeah,
1: right. Okay. So this is Gabriel Haynes, he's uh, the guy that's just like always like rapping and dancing. And there's was a rap from G- Gabriel and a song from his wife, uh, and so that is coming up uh, in this moment of Zen right after we get through Ryan's classic disclaimer
0: course, guys. Crypto is risky. Got to tell you, none of this was financial advice, but we are headed west. This isn't for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. I
1: don't, I don't care,
0: care about, about you, big, big boy.
1: boy. No,
0: no not at all. Not even, even one, one
1: euro. year Bit boy, my friend, look like you shilling to the end. Pumping tokens left and right, Gucci suit a little tight. Looking like a Turkish delight. You
0: got too much stress, you got a sick bench press. You could have been a master class, but you got your head up your ass. You dished out lawsuits like a hot potato. Your face is looking all red like a red tomato. Your mouth is full of caviar that shows the world the boy that you are.